3: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
4: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Radio.
3: Welcome in, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. Tirec.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Weirdly busy... Saturday night considering that you know the NFL season is done as DeSager just told you we do have the all-star festivities going on we'll get to that later because we now have non-NBA players in the dunk contest I think it's time to put this thing out to pasture we'll talk about that a lot of college hoops XFL uh, winter uh, outdoor hockey as DeSager just told you busy night in sports Jason for the week after the Super Bowl how you doing man
0: I'm doing well. You know, it's interesting because there's a lot of things happening and they're sort of weird. Like you've got an outdoor hockey game and you've got All-Star Weekend and the NBA and you've got the start of whatever spring football is supposed to look like right now. And you have, like, all of these things happening that are odd. And then, of course, you've got college basketball and you have some big matchups today uh, going on there. But it definitely is where, like the sports fan had a lot to choose from and does tonight like right now on one screen i've got for whatever reason the dunk contest and then on another screen i have wwe elimination chamber rolling on my peacock app so like there's there's a lot happening tonight there's no question about that it's a little bit different certainly than the way we felt last week at this time knowing what was coming within 24 hours but Sports always has something for you. There's been plenty of entertainment. We can say that uh, the dunk contest might not be part of uh, what I just described.
3: Well, I'll tell you, uh, uh, I don't want to talk dunk contest yet. But Mac McClung did just have a pretty sweet dunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that well, you know, it's it's gonna raise some eyebrows. But Mac McClung is not currently in the NBA, which is another conversation for another day. But I'll tell you what, let's start with. Uh, Obviously, you know, a lot has happened in the world of sports since you and I last got off air. Obviously, it goes without saying. The last time we were on, it was the day before the Super Bowl. The Kansas City Chiefs have won the Super Bowl. You know, we'll we'll share some thoughts throughout the the you know the show of just the game itself, KC, what it means. We'll obviously talk the Eric Bienemy move, which became official just a few hours ago. But Jason, I I want to start with something that, that you brought up kind of post Super Bowl, which is really interesting. And, and again, the game is final. We'll talk about just some thoughts from throughout the game, throughout the show. But what's kind of incredible is is all of the things that have happened since the Super Bowl involving these two teams. I just mentioned Eric Bieniemy has left uh, KC to be the offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. But then on top of that, oh, by the way, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator for Philly, is now headed to Indianapolis as the head coach there. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator from Philly, is headed to the Arizona Cardinals to be their head coach. Uh, a bunch of these guys are going to be free agents. Obviously, James Bradbury, who was uh, a focal point, to say the least, of that game, Fletcher Cox on and on and on it just shows you man we love the NFL it's amazing but it is wild in one week how different these two organizations that just played a game six days ago are going to look going forward Jason
0: yeah and that's why I don't believe in and don't like to talk about the championship window uh, because things can change in a flash you have to cash in when you have the opportunity because you can't ever be certain, especially in this day and age, if things are going to be the same as they were. If the pathway is going to be the same and certainly if the people around you are going to be the same. The Eagles lost both their coordinators. I I don't know. I mean, We could talk about Arizona and Jonathan Gannon. I I don't know how that ended up happening. I can understand the Steichen thing a little bit more than Gannon, but uh, I also think there's something to be said for the fact that the Arizona job wasn't exactly coveted by a whole lot of people mm-hmm. there's there, there's some massive problems with that job as well but that's going to be a real uphill battle but you look at it sirianni was not a finalist for coach of the year and he just lost his two coordinators so it becomes incredibly important how they retool his coaching staff like who he replaces these guys with because when you start to win this often happens We've seen Belichick have to reload. We've seen Nick Saban reload seven or eight times uh, just an offensive coordinator because they keep on taking the guys. So you have to to find a way to continue to do this, and you have to get used to having kind of a rotating set of coordinators. But I think the other thing that this tells you is if both those guys are going to get gigs – I don't know how many people inside NFL circles believe in Nick Sirianni as some kind of an elite head coach. He's got a quarterback that is certainly borderline elite right now if he's not elite, and his Super Bowl performance should do nothing but enhance that reputation. He's about to get paid. They've got a lot of guys that you like. The defense has some holes, but they, if they're able to do whatever they can in free agency not to lose seven or eight guys, they're going to be in okay shape, but The championship window for the Eagles, the NFC is still going to be the easier conference, but man, stuff aligned and they made their way there and they had a 10-point lead at halftime and then they lost that football game. And that could be the last time, it is the last time that that specific group will ever have that opportunity. Question is, can Philadelphia get back there with so much change at important spots?
3: It really does just show how quickly things change. And I think, by the way, um, while it's it's obviously a negative for Philadelphia, you'd love to bring everybody back mostly intact – I think it's also what makes the NFL so awesome, right? Is that stuff changes, nothing is forever. Um, you know, in, in college, the, the players change, but the coaching staffs can at times, I mean, you know, Clemson, as an example, largely kept their coaching staff together for a significant amount of time. There's other examples just like it. And so I bring it up because it's also kind of what makes the NFL fun, right? Is that it? whether it is a head coaching change, like, you know, even a Kevin O'Connell at, at, with the Vikings last year where it's clear the impact that he made. Yes, I know they won a, close, a bunch of really close games, but at the end of the day it was clear the impact that he made. Coordinator positions, whatever. So it, it does have, you know, we're talking about Philadelphia from a negative context, Jason. It is a positive of the NFL too where, again, you know, now the Colts, new head coach, do they trade up? Do they try to get Bryce Young? Do, do they get the number one pick? Do they take a quarterback there? Do they take a quarterback where they're drafting? So, It is just very interesting to me, and and again, how quickly everything changes. I know that with the end of any season, there's always going to be in any sport some turnover, whether it's assistant coaches getting head coaching jobs, some coaches, and obviously not with successful organizations, but some coaches getting fired, other guys going new places, free agency in the NFL, transfer portal in the college space. But it is very interesting how you can be on the cusp of – you know, kind of kind of etching your name in history, right? Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, the chance to win a Super Bowl, second one in whatever it is, five, six years. And now, again, to your point, you're not starting from scratch, per se. Sirianni's back. Jalen Hurts is back. There's a lot of reason for excitement going into next year, but there's going to be a lot of question marks, right? Like when we start talking about this Eagles team, in you know july august september leading into the season uh it's not just going to be well they're the defending nfc champs and they largely ran it back it's they're the nfc champs but there's a lot of new faces that weren't there that weren't part of that super bowl run a year ago yeah that's right and then i mean on the flip side
0: um that's looking at looking at it from philly's perspective and we can get get into this deeper but I'm looking at Eric Bieniemy going to Washington because he recognizes, and I think Andy Reid recognizes, that Bieniemy's never going to get credit for anything that happens in Kansas City because Andy Reid is so beloved and he's seen as such an offensive genius. And look, they're right. like That's not the wrong way to feel about it. But if Biennemi actually wants to become a head coach, he's got to do something where it's just no doubt he's the reason for it. The only question I have as it relates to that situation is, Man, that is a risk because if he goes there and it doesn't go well, which it may not, he's going to have Sam Howell. It looks like, and and okay, I mean we'll see. But it's still Washington. That's not a team that's had a particularly good offense in a very very long time. Ron Rivera is probably coaching for his job this year. You would think um, everything's got to kind of hold together there. There have been some some rough going, and it's been a franchise that's had a lot of turmoil through the years and all this. If it doesn't go well though then the narrative's going to be real easy that it was all Andy Reid, and then enemy doesn't end up getting the head coaching gig. So I, I'm fascinated by that. But at the same time, Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, they're not really used to not having enemy as part of that brain trust that has won them so many football games and been a part of what they've done. And they're going to Matt Nagy, and Nagy was there in the past, but Nagy's got a little bit of stink on him from the last time we saw him in a high-profile gig in the NFL. So, that, again, both these two teams, uh, there's a lot that there's a lot that goes down right after the Super Bowl, but there's a lot that changes in the NFL day after day, which is why that game last week was so monumentally important for both of them because even though you think they both have the talent to get back, you never know. You, you, you just don't know. We're watching the NBA All-Star Weekend, and I, I always go back and think about that Orlando Magic team with Shaq and Penny that were supposed to be a dynasty that never won a championship. Like, there's a lot of great teams that never won championships. Can the Eagles get back? Uh, a lot of change over there and a new look chiefs as well. It's it's a fascinating time.
3: This is Fox Sports Saturday. We are brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at progressive.com. Jason, you just brought up Eric Bieniemy. He is officially headed to Washington. It was just announced a few hours ago. And we're going to discuss that next. What does it mean for KC? Should Eric Bieniemy even have to make this move at all? We'll discuss it all next. Fox Sports Radio. Hi, this is Jay Glazer, and you may know me from the world of football or fighting or even shows like HBO's Ballers. Well, what you don't know is for my entire life, I have lived in something I refer to as the gray. Depression, anxiety. So now I'm coming out with a new podcast, Unbreakable, a mental health podcast
1: with Jay Glazer, where each week... While we talk about mental health, I hope to describe
0: it. Give it words. Listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Here on a Saturday night, we could talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, or we could talk about how with Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. I mean, talk about amazing. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. DeSager will get you caught up in a couple college basketball games coming down the home stretch. The dunk contest uh, is in its final stages. DeSager will be here with us in about 10 minutes from now. But, Jason, before the break, uh, we were talking a little bit about, we were talking about really. you know the, how quickly things can change in the NFL. Uh, the Eagles lose the Super Bowl and then lose both coordinators in the span of about three four days. There, uh, but as you referenced, Eric Bieniemy is now leaving for the Washington Commanders. And so, let me just start by asking you this: um, Do you like? Do you have a fundamental issue? Because this, I mean, it's been a talking point on every sports talk radio show all week long. Do you have a fundamental issue with the fact? That This guy, who is clearly a very sharp offensive mind, Patrick Mahomes gives him credit, Andy Reid gives him credit, uh, but he has not gotten the head coaching opportunity. He's interviewed for jobs, including the Indianapolis Colts this year. Um, Does it fundamentally bother you that he has yet to get a head coaching job and feels like he needs to take this move to prove to the world that he is capable of not only running an offense by himself, but eventually a team by himself?
0: I mean, I can understand why you would think so, because he keeps getting passed over. Now there are a lot of other things that we have heard through the years that don't ever seem to get talked about when it gets when it when Eric Bienemy comes up about things that have happened that might have put him lower on people's lists.
3: Um, but he's always. What's an example have... of that? Because for people who are just blindly, he needs a job. Explain what you mean by that.
0: Yeah, I mean we understand what he has done and a lot of people have checkered past but there's just a lot out there i've talked to people inside the pack 10 at the time the pack 12 about just issues he had back in college and about how he wasn't allowed on his own campus for a while and look i haven't been able to verify all of that kind of stuff but there's a lot of that kind of thing floating around um, or it certainly has been now a lot of people have overcome things that they've done in their past and maybe he was just kind of a wild child and all of that. I haven't heard any problems with Eric me in a in a good long time. So maybe this is irrelevant at this point. If he wants to get a head coaching job, officially like it's this is the uh Matt LeFleur situation. Like, how does he get coach of the year when Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback? You don't get credit for anything because of the greatness that is around you. Eric Biennemi happens to have Andy Reid as his head coach, so Andy Reid is going to get most of the attention. He's going to get most of the praise. He's going to get the accolades because – we already know, established what he has done. And we saw it even prior to Biennemi. We saw it with Matt Nagy. We saw it prior to Patrick Mahomes. We saw him lead Alex Smith to have the highest passer rating in the NFL one year. Like, this is a guy that has been able to do this in multiple locations and has been around for a long time. Eric Biennemi is kind of trapped in that shadow a bit. Even if – and I, here's the thing. I don't know how much credit Eric Biennemi deserves. Like I've tried to figure that out for years. Clearly he deserves some, and Andy Reid Reid giving his seal of, of approval to him should mean a lot. That should carry a lot of weight, and it should tell you how valuable he is. But he's going from the penthouse to the outhouse, man. You're going from Patrick Mahomes to a guy that some people don't think can play in the
3: NFL. Yeah, really quick. We can get to the Washington element of it in a minute. I guess what I would say, because I find the whole thing fascinating, and I, I think, you know... I think there's something to what you said. Now, for people who don't know, there were minor, if you if you just kind of go through publicly minor legal issues dating back to his time in college, late 80s, early 90s. So we're now talking about 30 years ago. So in theory, that shouldn't preclude him from getting a head coaching job. But what I will say is, you know, and people want to hear this, but like there has to be another reason that he has not gotten a job besides the fact that he's not a play caller. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if he does not interview well. Because you look at it, it's not as though minorities are not getting head coaching opportunities. D'Amico Ryan's got hired this year. Mike McDaniel's uh, gotten a job in the last couple of years. Lovey Smith, I know it wasn't a perfect setup there and whatever. But Todd Bowles, by the way, had a great job this year in Tampa uh, as things went sideways there. So I think that's what's really interesting to me. Is like, is there something, is there something missing Why is everybody else getting an opportunity besides this guy? And it can't just be that he's not a play caller. Because to your point, there have been guys from the Shanahan coaching tree that we know—Mike Shan or Mike Shanahan—Kyle Shanahan is the guy that is 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 kind of pulling the strings in San Francisco. We know Sean McVay is pulling the strings in Los Angeles, and so that's what's interesting to me. And I'd be curious, and 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 you know, I. I don't know who would be the person to figure out this report or do that. And maybe I'm just completely wrong. Maybe he's blowing everybody away in interviews, but every single time they have gone in another direction every single time. That's the interesting part to me. But what I would also say is interesting as well is kind of what what, what you've, you've you've mentioned a few times. We're going to find out really quickly how quickly he can turn around an offense. Because I will say, some of those guys that I just mentioned – uh, Sean McVay flipped the Rams offense Overnight when he got to Los Angeles uh, Andy Reid flipped the, the, the Chiefs offense overnight when he got to Kansas City um, and so listen if Eric Bieniemy who we assume has complete control and will be uh you know you know basically it sounds as though Ron Rivera is handing over the offense to him we're going to find out really quick if if you know if he is that much of a difference maker and if he is and he still can't get a job then that's a different conversation but i do think it's kind of interesting is you know it's kind of twofold is we don't know exactly how big of a role he played in KC but let's also say this, Andy Reid never won a Super Bowl without Eric Bieniemy by his side. So it's a lot of a lot of details. I didn't mean to cut you off, but there's just a lot of layers to this yeah. story that I find really interesting.
0: Yeah, no, you didn't you cut me off. I mean, what you're saying is absolutely right. And here's the thing. If this works for Eric Bieniemy, he's the next head coach in Washington. Like, th- that just – doesn't it feel like that? It feels like you're being brought in. All right, if you can actually retool this offense, if you can bring – that style that succeeded—if you can make us fun to watch again as an offensive football team—I mean, Rivera's getting a little bit older. He's still—I mean, he's an elder statesman kind of coach. He's the kind of guy that you want around the building, but it just seems to me this is like the final test for B enemy should he have to do it that's a different conversation to have the problem is all of what we've seen him do has come amidst one of the greatest players one of the most transcendent superstars in team sports this century uh a guy that just won his second super bowl in the homes getting out from underneath that if you go and you take sam howell and he said look they've got some tools like McLaurin, and some of these guys can can actually play and they have a solid defense so he doesn't necessarily have to score 40, but if they can go there and that becomes kind of exciting again and that becomes a show again and, and offense shows up, if it's not Washington, where I think it probably would be, there will be people beating down the door for Eric Bieniemy at that point in time. And to your point, yes, if it doesn't happen then, then either all the stuff in his past – is a big time problem or we have another issue and we all know what that issue would be
3: yeah and the issue would just be something behind the scenes going on in the interview process i just find the whole thing very interesting because i just you know maybe i'm super naive i don't believe that yeah, like I, I'm sorry, I just I don't believe that. By the way, Mac McClung is is running away with this yeah. dunk contest right now. We could talk about it maybe on the other side, but um, like I, I just I, I don't know. I just find it hard to believe that you know. Let, let's just be honest, right? Like, oh my goodness, he just threw down a filthy dunk. I'm not gonna lie. Um, like I just find it hard to believe with Eric Bieniemy. That you know, again, maybe I'm naive, but that racism is holding him back. Systematic. It's like again, D'Amico Ryan's proved himself, and in one year got a head coaching. I mean, remember, remember, he was he was only defensive coordinator for two years. Robert Sala was there before. Robert Sala, by the way, a minority candidate as well. So, I just find the whole thing fascinating, and I just wonder why he has to... I I guess that's maybe the theme, and now that we're talking it out on air, I I guess that's maybe my thing, is what is the why that he actually has to take this step? Is it just that he's never run an offense, or is there something else going
0: on? I mean, Aaron, what I have said, and again, I don't have the specifics on it, but I've heard it for a long time. We've all kind of heard it uh, in this industry a little bit. It has to be that, right? Like, there has to be something there, because, again, other minority coaches are getting opportunities in this league it's not like he's just one of many that don't get a chance he's a guy that based on what he has done and where he has been and who he has coached alongside and the quarterback and the success that they've had and everything else he's a dude that should have been at the top of everybody's list and while you see a D'Amico Ryans and some of these other guys getting opportunities over the last few years, and you continue to see more and more candidates crop up that deservedly are getting recognized, there's something else. There's something specific with Eric Bienemy that has led him to – this is the only way I know how to put it. He's kind of being asked to jump through a hoop here. I agree. To prove something, which seems crazy because – Otherwise, why would you do it because it's a lateral move? I feel like he's doing it because he feels like he has to prove it. And I think the other thing that this signifies, and we have not mentioned this, and then we can get to Steve, is Andy Reid's not going anywhere.
3: Great call. That is a very interesting element
0: of this. That's the other thing. Like, if he felt like Andy Reid was going to leave this year or next year, he would stick around because it seems to me he's got to be the coach in waiting. In Kansas City he has to be but Andy Reid saying hey if they'll have me I'll come back and maybe he's told Eric hey man I want you to have this job but I I don't see myself walking away for the next five years and maybe trying to coach his guy up and say you may need to go somewhere and show how special you are because I want to see you get this opportunity before I retire like I I, I I haven't really heard that said anywhere but it feels like to me Reed, is sti- Reed this is also indicating that Andy Reid, barring a health issue, is sticking around for a while.
3: It's a great point, and and lastly, I'll say on this, and we may revisit this because this is probably the big breaking story of the last you know twelve hours uh, since you know probably the biggest story of today. But lastly, I will say this: credit to Eric Bieniemy. He could have stayed in KC. He could have complained privately about opportunities. He is putting his destiny into his own hands, and again. Whatever's happening behind the scenes that is keeping him from getting this these jobs, if he goes out and turns Washington into a potent offense with Sam Howell and into a potential play, whatever he does, if he does it at a really high level, I think he is the favorite for just about every coaching candidate opening next year. Fox Sports Radio Aaron Torres, Jason Martin will continue the conversation on not only this, but busy night at the NBA All-Star Weekend. Let's toss it over the news dev Steve Desager, we have an NBA dunk champion, don't we? We do. A guy from
6: Philadelphia who gets handed the winning trophy by Dr. J on the court, well, by the way.
3: Real quick, Desager, a little update. He doesn't really play for Philadelphia. He plays for their G League team.
6: He did get a contract from Philadelphia just this week.
3: Oh, okay. So Good for him. He is
6: accurately a Philadelphia 76er, although they were joking on the telecast tonight. Yeah, he'll be just getting guys coffee, but he is with Philadelphia. And he is wearing a Philly jersey tonight. This is a guy who was the G League Rookie of the Year a season ago. Mack McClung with four dunks, all of them great, just won the dunk contest to conclude NBA All-Star Saturday night. The three-point contest went to Damian Lillard. Kevin Love completed a contract buyout with Cleveland. The Cavs said they will retire Love's jersey one day. Tiger Woods shot his third round, 67 in L.A. He's up to a tie for 26th place. John Rahm leads by three. Three strokes. In the NHL, we have an outdoor game at NC State tonight. Carolina scored on its first shot, and they're now up 4-0 over the Capitals early in the third period. Other wins for Boston, again, and New Jersey, again. The Daytona 500 is Sunday on Fox TV. The Xfinity race tonight went to Austin Hill. To college basketball, UCLA, ranked fourth in the country, is about to start its home game against Cal. Cal three and twenty-three this year. Number one Alabama led Georgia fifty to nineteen late in the first half, beat the Bulldogs one hundred eight to fifty-nine. Number five Kansas trailed by sixteen late in the first half and still beat ninth-ranked Baylor eighty-seven to seventy-one. According to the folks at Stats Inc., Kansas outscoring Baylor by twenty-nine in the second half today. In the last twenty seasons of college hoops, only one other team had outscored a top ten opponent. By that much in the second half, and that was Villanova in the Final Four when they destroyed Oklahoma, the largest win in Final Four history. It is BYU leading at 17th-ranked St. Mary's, 21-20. Texas, ranked six, got an overtime win against Oklahoma. Seventh-ranked Virginia beat Notre Dame by two. Kentucky defeated Tennessee again. Kansas State over Iowa State, and Indiana beat Illinois. On Fox TV tonight, Michigan, a home win against Michigan State, 84-72 and you guys were talking about eric Bieniemy. he is not only offensive coordinator but has the title of assistant head coach he can run his own offense he can hire his own offensive staff theoretically he has a multi-year contract none of those things he had in kansas city just for the record back to you
3: thank you steve Desager, fox sports radio fox sports saturday aaron torres jason martin broadcasting live from the tyrac.com studios dunk contest is final jason um, I know you said you had it on one screen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to ask you a question. Because uh-huh. I didn't think, you know, we have to be nimble in this business. And uh-huh. I had this whole segment about, oh, the dunk contest is dead. As I just said to Desagre, Mac McClung basically isn't in the NBA. Did Mac McClung just save the dunk contest? Like I actually enjoyed watching it from a. Di- I mean, they broke up my Eric Bienemy segment. I was mid thought on Bienemy and and Mac McClung is doing triple reverse dunks. Did he just save the dunk contest, Jason Martin? I don't know, but saved it. But he certainly is going to give you something to talk
0: about from a positive standpoint. Um, come Monday if you're one of the national guys, or certainly what they're going to do on TNT next is talk about how great he was. Look, what he was brought there to do, or what you want to do if you're in his shoes is be a show. And that's what he was. Like, every time I looked up he was doing something special. Almost nobody else did anything special. But here's a dude that's 6'2", 185, that is out there doing some really impressive stuff And it's just kind of hard not to get kind of caught up in it and, all right, what's he going to do next? Like, what does it mean long-term for the dunk contest? We can have a longer conversation about that at some point later on in the program, perhaps. But this is a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing for him, certainly. It's a good thing for for his career and some notoriety and some things that maybe he can do with this and maybe cash in on it a little bit. But more than anything else, you went into this thinking, is there going to be anything memorable at all Or is this going to be just a complete boar fest? And he made it interesting. Like, he made it captivating. And he showed a high degree of difficulty on some of those dunks. Like, the stuff was flat-out impressive. So good on him. And that was way better than it had any right to be and way better than any of us expected it to be.
3: Yeah, I don't know that I have any, like, sweeping thoughts other than that, is that, um, you know, again, I'll, I'll just be transparent with the audience. You know, we, we, we kind of plan the show throughout the day, and we know kind of what's going to be going on during the show, and we kind of think we know what we might talk about. And I thought, you know, the dunk contest has not interested me in a long time. Um, you know, Aaron Gordon had some years, and Nate Robinson had some years, and so I don't want to discredit those that have won it. But obviously the big knock on, um, you know, on the dunk contest itself is that basically – you know, none of the star players are in it anymore, and it's never going to be 1986 with Michael Jordan, and Dr. J, Dr. J and, and Dominique Wilkins. That was fun. That was fun. Now, I will say, um, you know, me being a little bit of a college hoops nerd, Mac McClung, basically dunking is all he's ever done. He's kind of been known as, like, the dunk guy since he was probably 15, 16 years old. Uh, never really developed any game beyond that. Um but he's really good at it. And and maybe, you know, maybe this is the new iteration. I'll say this. This is very random. But um, you know, he again was not in the NBA when he was officially announced for this. Now, as the Sager pointed out, they made a roster move this week, and during this week, he became an NBA player. He was in the G League. I'll just say this, and this is very random, and I know you probably don't have a take on it because I'm throwing it at you out of left field. If we're just gonna let dudes in from the G League. We might as well just let anybody. I don't know if there's any, like, Mm -hmm. hot YouTube dunk stars. Mm -hmm. I don't care if they play in the NBA. I don't care if they play overseas. I don't care if they play professionally at all or they're just professional dunkers. At this point, why not just bring them in? Am I crazy?
0: No, not at all. I mean, they did this show a few years ago on TNT called The Dunk King. Um, and I watched it and enjoyed it a lot, and it was pre-taped, and they had like a lot of the YouTube guys and maybe some of the people from the old mixtapes and some of that kind of stuff. What I would like to see and what I think would be fun, if you wanted to go with your idea, which I do not think is insane since everybody's brand is so protected that they're afraid to go out there and, and we don't ever get these big-time stars, is... Bring in these guys that are just insane dunkers that are almost like long-drive golfers. Right. And then here's the key. Give me LeBron James and Kevin Durant and all the biggest stars of the NBA going absolutely insane. Just in a line, just watching all these dunks. Like Let them get excited about it and let it look like here's your legendary, iconic NBA players going off like they're outside of Rucker Park watching dudes play basketball. That would be fun to me because that would create this moment where these guys that you just don't know who are get the center stage and they get kind of the pat on the back from the NBA guys, which are just losing their minds because of all the trick shots and everything else that's going on. These dudes can build some brands. It's not going to hurt them for the most part. And it would certainly give you high level, crazy, risky dunks from guys that don't spend most of their time practicing for 82 games a year and load management and all that. You got dudes that are out there perfecting this particular routine and then they get to perform that and maybe do something good with it.
3: Yeah. I, I think it's uh it's an interesting concept. It's something to think about at least. It is. Yeah. I you know and I think you know you probably have an NBA player or two uh you know be so it's not a total, you know, freak show sideshow thing, but it's something to think about. Credit to Mac McClung. If you have not seen the highlights, if you you know go on social media, you'll see him on TV later tonight. He was actually very entertaining. The guys that were courtside, I saw Donovan Mitchell there, I saw Giannis there, they seemed to love him. So credit to Mac McClung, your 2023 NBA Slam Dunk Champion. Coming up, more on All-Star Weekend, more on the NBA. Take a quick break. Be right back.
4: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts if you dare.
3: Back, everybody, Fox Sports Radio. Eritor is Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the com studios. NBA All Star Saturday is done. Mac McClung, a fun slam dunk championship. Uh, really fun, and Damian Lillard also won the three-point shooting contest. Jason, there is a new another new twist to All-Star Weekend this year. Um, so for about the last five six years, we have had the player draft uh, to determine how the teams are divvied up. Right, it used to be East West, and then they just went to this captains and draft. Well, now in the NBA's infinite wisdom, apparently players did not like uh, being the last pick in the draft. So they have revamped the draft. So they will now select. They will still do the draft. They will dr- draft the reserves first, and then draft, then kind of select from the starters. So in other words, the the reserves will be divvied up among the two all star uh, captains, and then from there, the starters will be divvied up among teams. I'll just say this, Jason. The whole point of implementing the draft. Was because we wanted to see who was going to go last. Besides the fact that somebody is still going last, that was the whole point of doing the draft. Like I remember the the jokes on social media for like a week in the lead up to the first draft of Oh, I wonder who's going to be last, and this guy's going to be last. NBA is going soft, Jason Martin. NBA is going soft. They just can't handle the brand potentially
0: taking any kind of hit. There's a level of fragility. <laughs> amidst nba superstars today it's a reason why you don't get them in the dunk contest you still get them in the three-point shootout like you had lillard win tonight you've seen steph you've seen clay you've seen ray allen you've seen reggie miller you've seen a lot of those guys but things have changed like i mean jordan used to do the dunk contest dominique used to do the dunk contest vince carter came into the league did the dunk contest yeah kobe did the dunk contest as a rookie i believe he did uh and won it like We saw all this kind of stuff, and now it's just changed around. Like, Why even bother with the draft? There's no reason to do it. Just do it behind closed doors and tell us who who got picked. Or pick it out of a hat and go ahead and rig it however you want to 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 get the matchups that you want. Like At at this point, if everybody is so upset about this or nobody wants to go last, doesn't want anybody to know that they went last, dude, you're still an all-star. I know. I mean, Brock Purdy <laughs> went last in the NFL draft. He still went out and balled out. You're an all-star. You were selected to be one of the best whatever the number is in the NBA. So even if you go last, you're still like top 15-ish material in the NBA. You're not being compared with G League talent. No offense to dunk champion uh, <laughs> of <enough laughs> 2023 <laughs> with that, but it yeah, there's a whole lot about how nba superstars and just the nba decision making goes down that makes me very sympathetic to those who have a hard time feeling any kind of a draw or any kind of real endearment to these guys or to this leak there's a lot of this and we can talk about it from a myriad of angles but the one that we're speaking of right now to get over yourself you guys are making a ton of money to play this game it's not slight on you that you're not going to go as high as Luka Doncic or LeBron James or whoever the, whoever it's going to be. Somebody has to be last. Nobody wanted to be that kid in gym class. I say this as that kid in gym class. That was me. You survived. I was overweight way. my whole life. I was 365 pounds five years ago. I'm 185 today. But I was always that guy. Nobody wanted me on their team. And it sucked. It really, really did. But when you're an NBA player, we all know how good you are. Like, how many positive comments do you need? How much reinforcement do you need? Look at your life. Look at where you find yourself. And look at the list of guys that you are being selected amongst. And then my only thought out of that would be, shut up. That's that's all I got left. Like, just go. It's entertainment. Nobody cares. It's not going to go on your tombstone. It's not going to go... It's not going to be like... When we're writing about your career, we're not going to say, by the way, in 2023, picked last in the (laughs) NBA All-Star game. So let's not necessarily throw him into the Hall of Fame until year six. Like That's not a thing. This is
3: just stupid. I just think it's stupid because it doesn't even make sense. Like There are things that I can agree or disagree with, but if you're... First of all, again... The whole reason people wanted to do the draft was to shake it up, and again, nobody cares who's the the eighth pick out of twenty four players. They care who's number twenty four. So we all knew what was at stake when we started doing this. But like again, there are things I can disagree with, but I can understand. But this doesn't make sense. Now, we still know who is technically last because if you're a starter, then it doesn't matter if you're drafted first or last. You you were voted a starter. And then from there, we have the reserves. And one of the reserves is going to be picked last, even if he isn't technically picked last. It's just, it's just so soft and so lame. Um, now, it speaks to a broader thing of, like, I think maybe Major League Baseball's all-star game is the only one that hasn't lost all its mm-hmm. allure at this point. I agree with that, yeah and i get like i guess i get the nba trying to do whatever they can to kind of keep this thing entertaining i actually do like the um the 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 way that they do the end of the game i forget what the heck they call it the um the whatever rule where they they basically count up instead of just just playing the game to the final so anyway i, I don't know if that made any sense at all but the point i'm trying to make is i i just i i just think you know like they're trying to figure out creative ways to p- get people interested in this game this was designed exactly to get people interested in this game and now as you said the players are soft, the players egos are hurt. Uh the the egos are hurt and because of it now something that we were all looking forward to is no longer there.
0: I mean remember and this is just this is a a growing problem for the NBA and it's going to have to be addressed and we'll talk about it later. These guys need to remember that their jobs are dependent upon how entertaining they are like this is an entertainment product this is this is a product it is something that is being brought like a movie like a television show like a great concert whatever it is it's a performance that is supposed to be entertaining and what you do on the floor is almost always entertaining but so much of this is caught up like being a character and all these things, these can be really good things. I mean we've we've had a lot of great characters in sports and, and many of them have become super endearing and guys that, you know, have been able to, to take that and do so much with it. I think sometimes everything gets so serious. And I understand it's a business, but it's a business about playing a game and being entertaining. And this is the kind of thing that makes it very hard to be entertained by the NBA product.
3: I don't disagree. Uh, NBA All-Star Saturday is done. Matt McClung wins the dunk contest. The All-Star game is tomorrow. Uh, But, yeah, I think this is pretty weak stuff from these NBA All-Stars that don't want to be picked last, even though one of them will be picked last. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Coming up, back to the NFL. Aaron Rodgers. Somebody's not happy with him. Oh, they're not happy.
4: We discuss that next Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
3: Welcome in, everybody. Hour 2, Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. As the Sager just told you, uh, Busy Night in Sports kind of led the show by talking about that. It's kind of a. a buffet of sports, if you will. You still have professional football. Chris Perfett was saying during the break he still wants to watch professional football. So we have on the XFL in the studios, a lot of college hoops, the dunk contest and three point sh- uh, shooting contest were tonight. Last dunk contest thought for a while, Jason. I-, I know I'm a little Mac McClung crazy right now. I'll give him credit for this. The thing that has driven me crazy about the dunk contest over the last couple years is it's kind of uh, you know been devalued amongst many reasons why. But it's these guys that miss, like, five, six, seven dunks yes. in a row and are allowed yes. to do it again. So as DeSager just pointed out, credit to my boy Mac McClung, who all of a sudden I care about the dunk contest again. Uh, he actually just complete like, not only were his dunks' degree of difficulty hard, he completed them in one try. So uh, I didn't know I was this much of a Mac McClung guy. I watched him a lot in college. I didn't really like his game. I'll give him credit for the dunk contest. For one night it was really fun – And like I said, he actually completed the dunks on the first try, which is something that a lot of guys over the years haven't been able to say.
0: Yeah, we even saw guys tonight that were doing four and five tries in a row. And once you get there, we're in a comical spot. Like, you should just have one try. And that's it. That's just, I understand that you're trying to protect these guys, and a lot of this is a degree of difficulty, but I need to see it done on the first try. I don't need to see you get it right after you do it six or seven times. So, again, credit to him. Uh, good job. He put on a great show. It doesn't mean anything. Now, it might make him a little bit of money. Like, uh, you may do some autograph signings, or maybe he can do some, some dunk appearances or something like that. Like, there could be some other stuff here. Um In terms of what it means for the dunk contest long-term, not a whole heck of a lot. I mean, we knew Kenyon Martin Jr. coming into this thing. And by we, I mean the vast majority of America um, because we knew his father being the number 1 pick out of Cincinnati some years ago and and what he did in his NBA career. But, like, not having names at all, like, not even – role players on teams that are relevant like nothing that mattered whatsoever at the very least he gave you one of the dunk contest performances that you would have wanted to see 20 years ago like he would have been in the mix with those guys and what he was doing was super impressive but doing it on the first try actually makes it land if it, this was 10th try stuff where he's doing the double the double pump reverse uh, i'm not by that point, I'm already tuned out. But if you just show up and knock it out of the box on the first try, all right, bro, you got my attention. So, again, good on him. Uh, that was entertaining, and that's all you needed that event to be because no one had a single expectation of it coming in.
3: Real quick, uh, you know, I, I do want we got a lot of NFL stuff to cover here in the coming minutes, but um, coming hours, really. Do you think there is ever a day? where, like, relevant players... Like, like you know, apparently Zion Williamson said this week that he would love to one day participate in the dunk contest. i like to see him actually play three straight yeah. NBA games without getting hurt before I start believing that he's actually going to participate in a dunk contest. But do you ever believe... Because, you know, to your point... It wasn't that long ago. I mean, you know, probably 12, 13 years ago, you know, with, with the Vince Carters and the Kobe's and the, uh, you know, Dwight Howard was was a really good player when he was in the dunk contest. It's a little bit different. He was a big... Mm-hmm. Do you think there is ever a day where like marquee players that are in their prime, like I'm not talking about, um, you know, John Morant as a rookie before he's John Morant or uh, Zion as a rookie. Although even Zion had so much hype coming in. Do you ever think there's a day or is that just, is, is that just one of those things in sports that's gone and never coming back?
0: Yeah, I don't know. And I think part of it is how many of the guys that are, you know, the biggest time superstars are great show dunkers. I think that's part of this. Like, that kind of came with the territory back in the day. Uh, or that's something that we knew you had the skill set to do in addition to being an an all-time player or a great player. We knew Vince Carter was going to be a great pro. We also knew what a dunker he could be, and he showed up and he showed out. But like the one thing about LeBron James, and we've known this for a long time, he's a great in-game dunker, but he's not really a show dunker. He's a power dunker. He does a lot of things just like that. Uh, But a lot of his stuff is not super flashy like that. So you have to have the right mix. You have to have a superstar that does that kind of stuff. And so many of these guys are focused on their game in a different way that I'm not sure the skill set is the same. I might be naive and wrong, and these guys might be able to do 720s and they're just afraid to do it. But I do think part of it is just – a lot of them are probably not that great at dunkers when you look at a dunk contest. I just don't know that that skill has been developed and maybe even appreciated the way that it once was for some of these guys when they're playing AAU ball all the time and they're playing travel ball. I just don't know how much time they have to dedicate to it. And I, like I said, I might be completely wrong. I know you're really in tune with that world, but I think that might be part of it, at least for LeBron. I know LeBron, it's not like LeBron's going to do a bunch of super creative stuff. He might break the rim and that might be what he tries to do because of how powerful and how forceful uh, he dunks, but I mean, a lot of the creativity stuff is is what has been memorable about dunk contests.
3: Fair, fair, yeah. I think LeBron, if if he knew he was going to be in it, I think could come up, could have in his younger days come up with some creative stuff. And I think there are other guys, John Morant, with his athleticism, he could come up with some creative stuff. I just don't know. You know, again, I I just think that era is probably behind us. Um, you know, I'd love to see. <laughs> it'll never happen, but I'd love to see you know a sponsor or somebody pony up some crazy amount of money and maybe tie some charity element to it, where you know the winner gets five million and the charity gets five million or something like that. Again, I don't think it'll probably ever happen, but maybe that's what you got to do to get the, the best players in. Uh, Jason, really quickly, let's let's talk about some of the other news and notes from the NFL. There's actually some some draft stuff I want to get to with you in a minute as well. But uh, another big story outside of the enemy stuff, which we talked about, uh, some movement from the coaching circles uh, throughout the week, is that this weird, first of all, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if he's still just in the middle of darkness right now, but uh, his his famed darkness retreat, retreat started. But why it's significant is because it's one of many twists, even just since the offseason started with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And why I bring it up is because we're kind of waiting, you know, when's he going to come back? Is he going to play next year? Is he going to play for the Packers? Are the Packers going to trade him? Where does he want to play? Who can actually get him? And, uh, you know, earlier this week we got some interesting notes and news about just... Where the Packers may stand on this. So Bob McGinn is a longtime uh, columnist who's covered the Packers. And he was on a podcast, the Go Go Long TD podcast with Tyler Dunn. We've actually had Tyler Dunn uh, on shows that I've done here on Fox Sports Radio. He's a really talented guy. But Bob McGinn on the podcast said this about Aaron Rodgers. He said, they are done with Rodgers discussions was it, he, they said uh, he said they are done with Rodgers from discussions with someone who has first hand knowledge is what McGinn said he's not coming back i mean they're quote disgusted with him and done with him they're moving on not here to question the credibility of a guy who's covered the packers for 20 years he, that's obviously something that he's hearing do you believe forget the disgusting are, are they done with Aaron Rodgers or were where you out there Aaron Rodgers stuff
0: i definitely th- I definitely think that they are closer to being done and uh, Aaron. Aaron may sense it. Aaron may know it. Aaron may have even told them that he's closer to the end. And uh, I, I have no idea. You never know when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. You never know how close people are holding everything to the vest to make sure that there's still value in what they're doing, and you know all of this kind of stuff. The darkness retreat and what he's what he's doing for four days to try and figure himself out. and He said it's more than just football. You know he's gonna you know try to figure himself out a little bit for what's what's left of his life and all these other kinds of things. And that's great. Like, okay, uh, he's a different guy. He thinks differently. He acts differently. He is very self-absorbed when it comes to the way he thinks and all this kind of stuff. Eventually, the Green Bay Packers have to get around to running a football team. They they have to do that. And I mean, I heard Aaron Jones earlier. I guess I heard him during Super Bowl week doing some interviews where he basically said he he doesn't think he's played his last down with Aaron Rodgers hmm. that he feels like Aaron Rodgers is coming back that that he feels like that that Aaron was having fun by the end of the year that they had found something with some of their younger guys and why would he walk away from that and Aaron Jones didn't have any real reason to say that and at the time he said it he had not signed his extension or or whatever I, I can't remember exactly what happened but he committed long term and they committed long term I believe. Last weekend. So that came like a couple of days after some of these conversations he was having. So I, I listen to Aaron Jones and I just say, I, who knows? Because with Aaron Rodgers, almost nobody but Aaron Rodgers knows what Aaron Rodgers is thinking. And Aaron Rodgers is in the dark right now because he's not even sure he knows what he's thinking. So who in the world knows? But I definitely think that there is fire here. Like I think there is smoke, and I also think that there is fire here on the Green Bay side because eventually they have to figure something else out about their future. I don't know if now is the time. You and I have been on record and said, with what we saw towards the end of the year from Green Bay, it feels wrong not to run it back one more time in that conference knowing that you were starting to gel, and that was the word Aaron Jones used in one of the interviews I heard, is we were starting to gel towards the end of the year. And I just feel like look, Aaron Jones is a pretty thoughtful guy. Aaron Rodgers is a thoughtful guy. And I think that if he really stops and thinks about it, that's still the best chance for him to win if indeed that's important to him in the in the last year or two of his career.
3: Well, that's the interesting thing is and only Aaron Rodgers knows what's important to him. Um I just I do agree. I mean, I think with the way the NFC is set up. I mean, let, let's just, you know, have a Honest conversation about the NFC. Um, San Francisco, I don't think we know who the quarterback is next year. Like, people just are penciling in Brock Purdy, and it's like this elbow thing is going to be a four or five month recovery. Like, there's no guarantee he's ready for week one. Philly, okay, they found their guy with Jalen Hurts. Um, he was awesome in the Super Bowl, but you know can they run it back obviously you look at the rest of 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 the of the NFC Tampa's obviously go uh, we don't even know who Tampa's quarterback's going to be the whole NFC South is a total mess and so i just bring it up to just say that i do think it still makes sense and 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 i do think some of this is on the packers as well it's like You know, on the one hand, it does feel like, you know, they're bickering publicly. It's weird. There's leaks. It's bad. And part of me is like, just move on. Just rip off the Band-Aid. Two, three years you've been doing this dance. You've basically been doing this dance since Jordan Love got drafted, whatever it was, 2020, three, four years ago. At the same time, I do sit there and say, man, like, you know, this year, keep in mind, by the way, you lose Devontae Adams last offseason, rookie wide receivers, Obviously, Aaron could have done more to kind of acclimate himself with those guys, but they did get it going late. They did look good late. And you look at this division, it's a total mess. I, I you know, I, not, It's not a total mess. Minnesota was very good. I don't think they're going to win as many close games as they did this year. F- Chicago should be better, but what does that mean? Detroit, are they actually improved? I don't know. You just look at the entire NFC and the NFC North, it just feels like there's so many wins to be had, and part of me says rip off the Band-Aid, but part of me says it actually does make sense to run it back one more time.
0: Yeah, I, I, I just think that's, that's really the crux of it is. Whatever situation he's going to go to is not going to be perfect. Uh, the devil you know, the devil you don't, you can look at it from that perspective. Um, I mean, you hear about the Raiders? This Aaron Rodgers at his age want to go to the AFC West I just don't think so I, I not in my head like if he's if, if I'm in the dark and I'm thinking about you know my future and my legacy and wanting to win a second one after seeing Mahomes win a second one to see him the the differences between how guys are perceived when they win multiple Super Bowls and how long it's been since he's been there unless he just doesn't think he can get there in Green Bay and he wants to to try and take a crack at it somewhere else there's a lot of unfinished business left in Green Bay if he's able to come back and do special things. They won a lot of games and then did nothing with those wins when it came to the postseason uh, up until this past year when they you know, got knocked out with the Lions game and everything that happened at the end of the season. But you look at their roster – And you look at that division, even though it's gotten a little bit better, there's still some works in progress to be had and and things that have to be done. And then it's still by far the weaker conference. So, yeah, there could maybe be a home in the NFC, but I just feel like he was starting to play much more cohesive and it looked like he was actually having fun again, playing football down the stretch of the season. He started talking like the cocky Aaron Rodgers that – uh, yeah, everybody counted us out. And we joked, and I joked with you, Aaron, and said, yeah, you did. Like, mm-hmm. you counted. You said, I'm going to play until we are mathematically eliminated and all this kind of stuff, which indicates that you think we're, at some point we're going to be mathematically eliminated and all this. I just think that breaking it up now, wherever he goes at this stage in his career – I think you've got to be wary of thinking it's going to be better at the next stop. If you want to get a great answer for that, even though he ended up winning a Super Bowl in Tampa after other stops, uh AB thought it was going to be a lot better for him after he left Pittsburgh. And uh not so much. Got to the Raiders as a matter of fact, and it turned out to be an absolute disaster.
3: I mean Russell Wilson with the Broncos, you can go yes. I, I mean, Tom Brady is the exception not the rule. Mm-hmm. Um and it's something to consider. It's something to consider. And again, you start looking at the options. Again, the Jets. I don't. You know, the Jets have pieces, but it could be interesting. You know, uh, the the Vegas Raiders, as you just said, on and on. So it'll be interesting to watch. But that was definitely an interesting quote coming out of Packerland that the uh, Packers are disgusted with Aaron Rodgers. Coming up, I'll tell you what, Jason, we'll stay in the NFC North. Something that we probably don't say very often on these airwaves. Because I want to talk to you about the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. Chicago Bears, they are on the clock. Are they going to keep the pick? Are they going to keep their quarterback? That's next, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be
1: epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field
5: Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of Select Can't Miss Events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex Card Member Benefits at Select Events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.
2: I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
3: Everybody, Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios, and we are brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Jason, Super Bowl done. That Mm. means... Means, well, it means a lot of things. I mean, March Madness is coming, NBA's ramping up, but it also means NFL draft silly season. And what I think is interesting about this year's draft, Jason, is this, is that – Will Levis? Yeah. Sorry, I, think Sorry, Will, I just I, wanted to go yeah. ahead and
0: pop that one out real fast. Anyway, go
3: Will ahead. Will Levis, Dude, I'm seeing a lot of Anthony Richardson in the top ten. Yeah. I'm like, did you guys ever watch – like, I don't know. That guy. He, I'll just say this. This is my NFL draft hot take. Anthony Richardson is the guy that I could see like in the top 10 of every mock draft and then it's draft night and it's the 28th pick and he's the last guy still in the green room. I think he's a guy that you can sell yourself on uh, early in the process, but when it's time to actually make the move to draft a guy that this season at the University of Florida, these were his stats, Jason... These were his stats at Florida this year. Completed 54% of his passes, 17 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. The 17 touchdowns was actually more than I thought. Uh, it is worth noting that uh, of the 17, he had 10 in the last four games. So I only bring it up to say 54% completion percentage. I know the tools are there. I just think it's one thing to sit there and say, we're gonna, you know, he's going to go top 10, da 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 I don't know if you pull the trigger. I don't know if I, I know. I wouldn't draft him. I, I just I I I I think he needs more. I don't know. I wouldn't draft him. But that's my NFL draft hot take. He's the guy that everybody's going to claim that they love, and then it's going to be time to submit that card to Roger Goodell, uh, and nobody's going to do it. Well, I mean, somebody's going to do it eventually. Yeah, you, you know I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we we know Bryce Young, and we know C.J. Stroud, and we know what we've heard, and there's always the kind of chic quarterback that emerges. Uh, amidst the the rock solid picks at other positions, your Will Andersons, guys like that, where you feel a lot more comfortable about it. The question is, who's the who's the sexy pick that that you're going to hear everybody talk? Who's this year's Malik Willis, right? Like, who? There was a time when Malik Willis was being talked about like a top seven pick. I know. Last year, and we get this all the time, and occasionally somebody drafts Zach Wilson number two overall. But you get somebody that comes out of the woodwork. When it comes to Anthony Richardson, like, we know what he could do. Like, you look at him and you can see why you would be enamored with what Anthony Richardson could do. But, man, you talk about bringing on a raw talent where there is definitely going to be some development that is necessary. There's going to be a lot of time that's going to be required in a league and a and a and a many fans that just don't give it. Like... You need to have grace for an Anthony Richardson. You need to have an organization and a fan base that is going to be patient and a coach that knows how to bring him along because it wasn't a great year. it just it, Things did not go particularly well. And then you look at a guy like Levis, and I was looking at like some advanced analytics stats on what he was doing in Kentucky, and I, I even further believe I don't get it. Like I, I, And I'm never going to get it when it comes to that guy. When it comes to Bryce Young – I got nothing really bad to say other than, man, if only he were a little bit bigger. But outside of that, there's not much to say
3: there. Well, let's jump in on Bryce Young really quick. I'll tell you what, we'll get back to the Bears in a minute because I want your opinion on what they should do with that pick. But this might be intertwined. But I bring it up because you mentioned Bryce Young. I am a huge Bryce Young guy, but I also understand the concerns about his size. Mm -hmm. And so I bring it up because, again, what did I say to start the segment? NFL draft silly season. Todd McShay today. Did you see what he said or no?
0: Uh, he said uh, uh, d- that d- he compared I'll... him. He compared him to a guy. Right? Is that the one you're talking about? Yes. He said yeah, when he yeah.
3: when he studied the tape. And I love CJ Stroud, and I think he has a chance to be a really good player. But to me, Bryce Young is a smaller version of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He is so poised in the pocket. He's an under. He has an understanding of where pressure is coming from. He can carry your football team. I'll say this. Uh, this is now two players in the last two weeks, first one being Caleb Williams, now Bryce Young, that are being compared to the best quarterback, potentially by the end of what it's all said and done, that has ever lived. Uh, but I also like Bryce Young. When You saw, you obviously saw the headline because you knew exactly where I was going with this. What did you make of that headline with Tom McShay said? Tom McShay really good at what
0: he does. Mel Kuiper's really good at what he does. Dane Brugler's really good at what he does. All these guys are good at what they do. But, and we talked about this related to the NBA in the first hour of the show. What we do, Aaron, is describe entertainment. We analyze entertainment. We're critics just as much as anything else. We're observing. We're analyzing. We're giving. At the end of the day, sports is entertainment. It is. It's, it's, you're buying a ticket to go and have your time respected. So everything that goes into the NFL draft is all about entertainment. And you call it silly season. I've long called it the season of lies. And the reason why is because I just – everything's a grain of salt because everybody has to pop out a mock draft X amount of times a month, and they have to change enough of it so that they can create fodder for Stephen A. Smith to talk about. Really really quick. Or for a Skip Bayless to talk about, or whoever it might be.
3: It was funny because I saw – you know, I was just you know doing something this week, and I saw it was like Todd McShay updated mock draft – and uh right. and, and but he had literally done one like six days ago. And I'm like, these guys aren't meeting with teams yet. The teams don't know these guys. They're still at the like very ancillary part of this whole process. like there's nothing new from, you know, Friday from the Tuesday before. So anyway, I'll tell you what, let's come back on the other side. We'll continue the conversation on both Bryce Young and the Chicago Bears because I'm curious what you have to do but or curious what you think. But it is funny, though. Like, come on, man. No, nothing has happened in three days that we need to update the mock draft, but we get how the cycle works. That's just how it is. So we'll discuss all that next. NFL mm-hmm. draft is now oh, about, about less than two months away. and we'll, we'll get that going. Before we do, let's toss over the news desk. <phone rings> Steve Sager, what's trending?
6: You've reminded me with Richardson of how good the opening game was this past season against Utah. You know, not every game was like that, let's be honest. But they beat Utah, a team that had just been to the Rose Bowl, and in fact went back to the Rose Bowl this past season. And here he was on only 11 carries over 100 yards, rushing three touchdowns. And people, I'm sure, are thinking, well... Justin Fields got drafted in the first round and near the top 10. So that, you know, I could see the logic of it all. But, yeah, thank you for the conversation, the both of you. We did have NBA All-Star Saturday night in Utah this evening. And the dunk contest winner was Mack McClung, just signed to a two-way contract by the 76ers this past week. How about this line from AP that this is a guy who had more perfect dunks tonight well actually an equal number to the baskets made in his NBA career Three, yeah. the guy who had uh, one and a half rotations in the air on that final dunk that got him perfect scores from all the judges, so he wins, finishing second from New Orleans. Trey Murphy the third, the winner of the three-point contest. Portland's Damian Lillard beating two Indiana Pacers in the final. Buddy Hield and Tyrese Halliburton, and in Utah, Team Jazz took the skills challenge. The actual all-star game is tomorrow night in Salt Lake City. Kevin Love completed a contract buyout with Cleveland. The Cavaliers say they will retire Kevin Love's jersey one day. It is over in Raleigh, outdoor NHL game at NC State. Attendance, 57,000. Carolina scored on its first shot and went on to a win over Washington, 4-1. And in progress, Calgary leads 2-1 against the Rangers now late second period. It was a very early 2-0 lead for the Flames, who, according to Stets Inc., became the first team in NHL history tonight to score twice in the opening minute two times in the same season. They did it tonight, and they did it in a game in December as well. In college basketball, we all knew it was going to be a blowout at number 4 UCLA. Halftime 38-15 Bruins lead Cal. If Cal doesn't mount the comeback... He used the word if in that sentence. <laughs> Cal will be 3-24 this season. UCLA going for a 22nd straight home victory. Number one, Alabama led Georgia 50-19 to late in the first half. Beat the Bulldogs 108-59. And 11 minutes to go at number 17, St. Mary's. The Gales lead BYU 52-43 before BYU leaves that conference. By the way, in that conference, number 13, Gonzaga, was a winner at Pepperdine despite trailing early 97-88 the final. Zags will be hosting first place St. Mary's next Saturday night. Kansas came back to beat Baylor. Texas in overtime beat Oklahoma. Virginia edged Notre Dame by two. Wins for Arizona and Miami. Indiana beat Illinois. Kansas State came back to beat Iowa State. And Kentucky defeated number 10 Tennessee for a second time this season. In fact, Kentucky led by 20 at the half today. 66-54 the final. A reminder, the Daytona 500 is... Sunday on Fox TV, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, NASCAR's official season opener. The Xfinity race tonight went
3: to Austin Hill. Back to you. Thank you to Steve Sager, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. We could talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, or we could talk about how with Discover you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount and any time. I mean, talk about amazing. Learn more at Discover.com slash rewards terms apply. So before we got to DeSager, we were talking a little bit about the early, early, early stages of the NFL Draft. Uh, amazing that we could have three, four mock draft updates, even though players are just starting workouts, have not met with teams yet, all that good stuff. The combine hasn't even begun. But where the conversation started was, uh, you know, Todd McShay said he believes that Bryce Young um, has Patrick Mahomes-type qualities, just a little bit lighter, or just you know, he's just small. I'll say this, Jason. I I do think that as we get closer to the draft, you know, portion, I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation because if, and this is like super cliche, but it's obvious, is if Bryce Young was like 6'3", and, you know, 205 pounds, 210 pounds, I think he goes number one, maybe the Bears trade out, and again, we'll get to the Bears at some point, but maybe the Bears trade out, maybe they just draft him over Justin Fields, whatever, but because Bryce Young is so small, like, like two things can be true. Like the talent is off the charts. I, I actually think he's more Russell Wilson than Patrick Mahomes in ter- pre-Bronco's Russell Wilson, but the poise, the confidence, the this, the that. But I will say that frame is scary. Now, he really – he had the one shoulder thing at Alabama, but that was a fluke thing. Like I, I will say he's small – But this isn't like a Tua situation where Tua came in with two, three, four injuries during his college career. I do think, though, the size and the frame of Bryce Young will probably be the biggest storyline going into this draft season, I would think.
0: It will be, but it's not going to affect his draft position too much because we know how good Bryce Young is. We talked about it all during the college football season. I kept saying, you realize just how special he is because what's around him is not what Alabama had grown used to especially when it came to the wide receiver talent and what he was able to maximize and just how 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 much was on his shoulders on a regular basis. We said the same thing about Caleb Williams at USC. Now he had he had some running buddies there that helped him out, but he also dealt with a ton of injuries and what he did was super impressive and and winning the Heisman made all the sense in the world especially given that. But we know we know how special a Bryce Young is. If he can hold up as long as that body type can hold up, against the Monsters in the NFL. But to your point about Tua, I'm not worried about Bryce the way I was about Tua. I didn't want Tua in the first round if I was a team that could have had him because I was worried about the injury risk because he didn't finish consecutive SEC seasons due to injuries sustained against SEC talent. Well, it was only going to be worse in the NFL. Bryce got banged up and missed a little bit of time this year, but Bryce Young played in an sec full of monsters and is still standing at the end of it and was still stellar pretty much throughout his entire college career. His football IQ is off the charts, his leadership intangibles off the charts. He's got everything except the measurable height and a little bit more weight. Like if he was Jalen hurts size, man, people would be crawling over broken glass to give up everything they had to draft him. But whatever stock you can place in a young man i'm gonna place in bryce young i believe bryce young is absolutely going to be special that said can we stop with the he's a smaller patrick mahomes can we stop and just say he's bryce young was that not good enough we know what bryce young looked like in college I don't want to put the added pressure on him by by doing that. It's unfair to both parties. It's unnecessary, but again, it's just designed so that first take can talk about it on Monday morning. Like, all of this is just... What take can I have as a draft expert that is going to then become part of the news cycle on Monday and Tuesday for ESPN across their shows or for Fox across their shows or whatever it is, for radio across their shows? And this is going to give you exactly what you want. And we can discuss and talk about how great both those guys are, but it is completely ridiculous to be speaking of Bryce Young in Patrick Mahomes terms like there's there's there's
3: no reason to be making these comparisons other than the reason I just gave you well and I, I you know you can compare him to an NFL quarterback but he doesn't play anything like Patrick Mahomes. no and it's like you know that that's the part that that I, I, I don't know I don't think Todd McShay is a guy that's doing it for sound bites like I guess I get the point that he was trying to make is that he's a poised quarterback But, like, I'll say this: like, when I think poise, you know, Patrick Mahomes isn't necessarily the first person I think. As a matter of fact, I think Patrick Mahomes is sometimes better when there's chaos, when he's running around, when he's throwing the ball from a weird arm angle. Like, that's kind of what makes Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes. And there are plenty of quarterbacks that are poised in chaos. Uh, Just not sure Patrick Mahomes is one of them. And again, I, I I don't have a problem, and I, I'm not saying you do, Jason, but I don't have a problem with comparing draft prospects to NFL players. I just think it's a bad comp on top of the fact that it's also, just as you said, legitimately unfair to actually compare him to the greatest living quarterback that we have right now. Yeah. Fo- yeah. Go
0: ahead. No, no, no. no, no. Go I, ahead.
3: I was going to say, Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. When we come back, Jason, I do want to talk about the Bears' perspective. This will probably actually be the first of many times we talk about what the Bears plan on doing with that first overall i pick already smoke coming out about potentially drafting Bryce Young and trading Justin Fields. Do you keep Justin Fields? What do you do? We'll discuss it all next. Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. We can talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, or we can talk about how with Discover you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. I mean, talk about amazing. Learn more at discover.com slash rewards terms apply all right jason we've been teasing it for about four segments now uh of course a lot of different conversations about the draft really but um the bears are on the clock with the number one overall pick and again i think part of it's because the super bowl's done all that good stuff um things are starting to ramp up in terms of conversation and so my question for you well it, it's a it's a two-fold question I'll just ask you I will just ask you the part that I care about. Not will they should do, do you think they will? Not should they cuz I personally think it'd be idiotic. I think Justin Fields is that dude. I think, you know, you can trade the first pick to get other pieces around him, but do you think they will ultimately trade Justin Fields and take a quarterback number 1 overall?
0: I think they're going to try to make people believe it to make sure that yep. the price is as high as it possibly can be. Uh, I mean, this is your leverage play, and if you're going to do it, then and and you want to make sure that your guy is taken care of and you believe in Justin Fields, then you've already told him behind the scenes, look, don't buy into anything we're saying. And then, of course, you hope that somebody doesn't make an offer you can't refuse. But I... I'm not as bullish right now on Justin Fields as you seem to be, but I was going into the league, and this is it. I just don't have enough information to know for sure because the Bears have been so poorly run, and they've done so little to surround Justin Fields with what he needs to succeed offensively that I have no idea what he can do with that franchise. I don't know if he's that guy, because they have not put him in a scenario where we could see it. We know what he can do as an athlete. We know how fast. Watching him run with the football is absolutely scintillating. And we saw what he did in college. And we knew how we felt about him watching him then. And I was super high on him, and I said on this program, and maybe it was it was before this program. It was when I was still hosting solo. Um, I said, mark it down. He will have a better career than Zach Wilson, because I believe that the Jets were making a mistake or whoever was going to draft Zach with Justin Fields still on the board was making a similar mistake to the ones that believed that Mitch Trubisky was going to be better than Deshaun Watson as a football player. And it was the same franchise as a matter of fact, it took Trubisky, but then finally did, you know, bring in a Justin Fields. But I just don't know right now because of how bad the bears have been, especially offensively, whether or not he's the guy or not. And if, if, If I'm not 1,000% sure and I am in that front office and I am part of that brain trust, then I might have to draft Bryce Young. I still think that you're right and they think he is the guy, but I bet you most of the reporting is going to indicate that they're not sold on him to see how far they can drive this price up because they know somebody is going to pay a king's ransom, maybe one of these new coaches. Or, 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 I mean the Colts is the one that you're seeing talked about a lot and it would make total sense to give Shane Steichen you know his guy to come in there and be able to mold and hopefully do similar things with him as he did with the Alabama slash Oklahoma quarterback that he had in Jalen Hurts so there's, there's a lot there and I think we're going to hear a lot more about this I still believe in fields I'm just not sure because of how badly things have gone
3: couple things one I do hope that if there is no intention to trade him, that the Bears front office is smart enough to get in his ear and say, hey, lay low for a couple weeks. This is what we have to do. We're trying to leverage to get you help. Um, and that they don't just totally burn a bridge with their potential franchise quarterback if they're not actually going to trade him. Um, I guess what I would say on on the field stuff is, to me, here is why I wouldn't trade Justin Fields for whatever. is because I don't believe... That any of these guys are definitively going to be better than him. If this was next year, and it was Caleb Williams, then yeah, you trade Justin Fields and say we're taking Caleb Williams number one, no questions asked. Sorry about it, uh, Justin Fields. Good luck in wherever. But we just talked about it. Bryce Young, small, like he—he's he, very talented, but but he could have. Uh, you know, trouble staying healthy for a full 17-game NFL regular season. C.J. Stroud, I certainly have question marks about. I mean, you know, big games outside of, he was great against George in the playoff, but prior to that had struggled in big games. You go on and on down the list. Will Levis, we know how everybody feels about Will Levis on this show. Anthony Richardson, I just expressed how I felt. So I guess that's my only trepidation with trading Justin Fields. I I think if you're going to trade Justin Fields, it's got to be a grand slam, home run, no doubt about it, and I just don't know that any of the guys in this year's draft are that guy. I think Caleb Williams is that guy. Maybe we feel that way about Drake May by this time next year. Trevor Lawrence was that guy. Andrew Luck was that guy. There have been others I just don't know that I'm so confident in Bryce Young being that guy that it's worth giving up on Justin Fields. Especially, by the way, you're gonna now have to you're gonna put Bryce Young in the same situation that Justin Fields is in right now. Very true. Very true. With two less years experience. So
0: yeah, I I don't disagree. And look, you can you can get a lot for that pick because Bryce Young. I do believe in Bryce Young, and I think that there are teams that would love to have him become the new face of their franchise at that position. But if you can get a haul for that pick and still end up with a top 10 pick or somewhere in that neighborhood and and be able to grab a nice piece to put alongside your quarterback that you still buy into in Justin Fields, That might be the perfect deal because then you're actually starting to build a roster around a quarterback instead of a quarterback that you then have to still find a way to build a roster around. I guess the only thing is you have the first pick, so you don't have to give anything up in terms of that the question is what's the value of a justin fields what could you get back in return for him if indeed you wanted to try and and make something happen from that perspective i think they're going to keep fields i think that they're going to shop this pick and they're going to make it appear like um the price is high because the price is going to be high and it's going to be a houston or an indianapolis or somebody like that that's going to take a massive swing and they'll draft bryce young number one
3: I hope so, and I'm just curious to see what Justin Fields could potentially do with with real weapons around him and obviously an improved defense. That whole team, I mean, look, they were obviously a disaster because of the fact that they were drafting number 1 overall, but bottom line... We are going to have plenty of time to talk about these whole, uh, all of these circumstances because, of course, the draft is still like two months away. We're still weeks from even the Combine. So, Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Coming up, when we come back, back to the NBA, Kevin Durant said something. Not sure if I agree. Fox Sports Radio.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
3: Welcome in, everybody. Hour 3, Fox Sports Radio. Eric Torres, Jason Martin. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping. Free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. We've opened each of the last two hours, really kind of talking about the fact that this is kind of a a grab bag type weekend in uh, in sports, college basketball, it's there, but it's not like there there as far as March Madness. We obviously had the dunk contest tonight, uh, uh, NBA All Star Weekend, really a little golf as well. The Genesis where Tiger Woods is playing. Maybe talk a little bit about Tiger a little later. You had an interesting week that Tiger Woods did. Um, also, the XFL premiere. Let me just ask you, Jason. You said uh, to lead the show early on um, that uh, that the NBA All Star Weekend and then some WWE was on your two monitors. Uh, what were you What were you kind of browsing or what were you watching today? If you If you had time to to kind of sit in front of the TV, I know you obviously spend Saturdays with the family. But but was there a priority for TV one uh, in the Martin household today? I
0: did watch Tennessee Kentucky today. Uh, I saw Indiana and Illinois, at least bits and pieces of that game. Uh, a little bit of the Kansas ball game and the comeback against Baylor. So I was kind of like bouncing around here and there. Um, my screen did find the XFL about a half hour ago, at least for a couple of seconds. Um, so, I mean, it, it was just kind of moving around. Uh, I would say the thing that I paid the closest attention to probably was Tennessee, Kentucky, because. Uh, without getting into much detail, because there's not much to say here, Kentucky won the game, but I don't know that I've ever seen a team that I think is talented go as cold as Tennessee can go offensively. Like, I'm not going to pick them to do much in the NCAA tournament. One, I, I don't love Rick Barnes in the tournament, but the biggest reason is just because, and this this beat them last year, actually, in the tournament against Michigan. They went ice cold, couldn't shoot. Well, that's happened, like, repeatedly. Over the last couple of weeks, they beat Alabama midweek, but have lost to Kentucky twice. They lost to Florida. They lost to Vanderbilt. They've lost uh, on multiple buzzer beaters, and a lot of it is just they they go through these spells, Torres, and you know college basketball better than just about anybody I know, um, where they just can't put the ball in the hole. Like they're almost their bad games are nearly unwatchable. And if there's a team that can exploit their defense just a little bit, they can pull out to an insurmountable lead, and that's kind of what we saw Kentucky do today.
3: Well, I won't bore people with too much Tennessee talk, but what I will say is if you can ever have a concerning win over a number 1 team in the country, I think Tennessee kind of did. Now, everybody got lost in it because they won and everybody's happy, and fans are allowed to be happy when you beat the number 1 team in the country. But I said this after the game is – they took 15 more free uh 15 more field goal attempts and five more foul shots and they won by 9 and it was really close until the final minutes and oh by the way Alabama turned the ball over a season high 19 times in that game and so they Tennessee really should have won that game by probably 20 points if they were functionally functional offensively they actually finished the game only shooting 36 percent from three or 36 percent from the field now again part of it is Alabama's a good defensive team but that is who Tennessee is is even when they have the signature win of their season they went ice cold uh, offensively I should mention by the way uh, we don't you know, we don't have to spend a ton of time ta- breaking down uh, bas- college basketball but Alabama by the way did bounce back with a 49 point win today over georgia so for people that were worried about the crimson tide they get to number one for the first time in 20 years this week jason uh they lose the first game as number one they bounce back with a 49 point win this week
0: yeah i mean look we know this already and we can move on after this there's no great team in college basketball this year like there's there's no team that's just definitively better than everybody else i still think alabama might be that squad that that is better? Do I think they're going to win the tournament? I have no idea. It's going to be a fun tournament because it's going to be so baffling from moment to moment what's happening because there's the second you start to like somebody, they'll lose multiple weeks in a row. We saw Purdue do it, and we saw Alabama lose midweek. Like, there's a lot of pretty good teams. There's a lot of teams that can beat a bunch of other teams and can be beaten by a bunch of other teams. So, yeah, uh, That's the state of college basketball right now is just bring on this tournament because it's just going to be a crapshoot. Like, this is the one where you you just fill out a bracket, and you just sit there, and I think you just uh, cross both fingers because who in the world knows what's going to happen?
3: Zero doubt, and I'll say this is where actually there's some highlights on right now, but Baylor was the one that I thought, okay, they, they might be you know a big-time problem. They were up against Kansas today. Now, Kansas is really good, but how about this? And I know you know, but for the, the person that's driving around that maybe wasn't paying attention, Baylor was up 13 points at halftime. Kansas ended up winning by 16 points. So what is that? A twenty-nine point second half swing on the road, and so Kansas, the defending champ, is looking good again. But Baylor was the one that I thought, and it just shows you when you blow a thirteen-point halftime lead and get outscored by twenty-nine in the second half, it maybe shows that you're uh, you're beatable like everybody else is this year in college basketball. So let's actually go to the uh, let's go to the NBA, Jason, because. All-Star Weekend is this weekend. We talked a little bit about the dunk contest earlier. If you missed any of that, you can go back in uh, and download the podcast after the show. But what's kind of interesting is uh, is that, obviously, look, with All-Star Weekend comes a lot of media availability. All the best players in the NBA are in one place at one time, and they're all talking to the media. And so there's been a lot of very interesting things that have come out of the NBA All-Star Weekend media availability. But one that caught my eye came today when Kevin Durant was kind of just asked about his entire situation in Brooklyn. Obviously, he demanded a trade. Kyrie Irving demands a trade. And of course, a year ago, James Harden was on the team and demanded a trade as well. So Kevin Durant was asked about it, was asked if he thought it was bad for the league that, Players were demanding trades. It's worth noting that earlier in the week, Adam Silver mentioned that he is hoping that this is something that kind of gets solved in the coming years. He doesn't think it's good for the league. Here's what Kevin Durant had to say about um, about players demanding trades. I don't think it's bad for the league. It's bringing more eyes to the league. More people are more excited. The tweets that I get, the news hits that we got from me being traded, Kyrie being traded, it just brings more attention to the league, and that's what rakes the money in when you get more attention. So I think it's great for the league, to be honest. Jason, do you think multiple star players, and I'll be quick here, but Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden has done it twice, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, I could go on and on Anthony Davis, but we'll stop there. Is it a good thing for this many superstars to be demanding trade?
0: I'm trying to I'm trying to see this from KD's perspective. It definitely makes news. It's it's like saying that Megan and Harry are good for the royal family. <laughs> there you go. Because it's putting them all back out there in front, and we're, we're seeing all of that right there in public, and it's creating more interest and more tweets and more social media interaction and all this kind of stuff. Like, the NBA has become a league. I, I, I really believe this, where just kind of following what's happening around the league has supplanted what's happening on the floor, like entirely, it's good for the league if you're just interested in the storylines. If you want to actually watch the games, I don't know how. I, I I I don't know how you could argue against anyone that has a problem finding an investment in the NBA because from year to year and internally throughout the year, it seems like if you're a fan of a team, you're a fan of a color scheme. Maybe sometimes they change those. You're a fan of a mascot or or whatever the nickname of the team is. You're a fan of the gear. You're a fan of somebody that played there 20 years ago. And I know this is true in all sports, but it does seem to be more prevalent in the NBA. From year to year, none of these teams look the same. Like, if I was a kid, I don't know who I would pick to be my favorite team. I feel like it would change so frequently because – no one stays put long enough for you to actually develop some kind of interest in them. It just happens over and over again. So the stuff keeps happening. It's interesting, and you kind of want to see what's going to happen with some of these moves but does it make you then tune in to watch 48 minutes of Dallas Mavericks basketball more so than you would have before? No. Does it make you tune into the shows the next day to discuss the drama that happened the night before during that 48 minutes in the postgame press conference, in the pregame media availability, in the shoot around, and when Kyrie Irving started talking? Absolutely. I think we have two different products here. Is it good for the NBA? As a game? I don't think so. Is it good for the NBA as a property, as something that is in the cycle? Yes. I think there is more talk about the NBA now than maybe there ever has been, but I think it has less to do with what's happening on the court than ever before. You've got Nikola Jokic having a historic season, it's boring as snot. I heard Jason Smith talking about that uh, on our airways a few days ago. He's absolutely right. He's boring because he's just out there playing basketball, and that's the least interesting thing about the National Basketball Association.
3: I was thinking about it while you were talking there. I don't think there's another sport out there where less of the conversation is about what happens in the actual games being yes. played. The NFL, every... Monday through Friday, we're talking about the games on the field. Now listen, by the way, every sport has off-the-field stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The NFL has free agency, it has the combine, it has the draft. College has the transfer portal, coaching carousel, whatever. But you think about the NFL. We talk about the NFL mostly the from from, the, from that first Thursday until the Super Bowl, we spend most of the time talking about the games on the field. College football. We talk about the games on the field. Now, we love the crazy, weird stuff that happens in college football, but at the end of the day, we're talking about Jimbo Fisher just lost another big game. Has Kirby passed Nick Saban? We're talking about the results on the field. College basketball, I know the narratives aren't as sexy, but tomorrow the conversations will be, can Kansas repeat? Can Kentucky make a run? Whatever it may be, but it will be about the games on the court. The NBA... what are we talking like? Like, what is the conversation now? I think part of it, and this is kind of tied into trades and stuff like that. It's hard to have real conversations about what happens on the court because you're not consistently seeing all the players in big games, in big moments, and so it's hard to gauge. Okay, how good is this team? How good is that team? When you never see the teams together, but I will say this: I, I don't think it is good for the NBA. I don't think it is good for all these players demanding trades. I'll tell you what, Jason. This this is kind of a, a layered topic. And I want to continue the conversation. So what we'll do, we'll come back, we'll continue this conversation. Kevin Durant says it is good for the NBA for players to demand trades. Not sure I agree with him, and I'll explain why next. This is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at progressive.com. For the break we were reacting it is All-Star weekend, bunch of NBA media availability. Uh and and one thing that came up today, very interesting conversation from Kevin Durant. Uh Kevin Durant was asked about, you know, him demanding a trade, Kyrie Irving demanding a trade. Here is what he said. He said, "I don't think it's bad for the league." It's bringing more eyes to the league. More people are more excited. The tweets that I get, the news hits that we get get fr- on being traded, Kyrie being traded, me being traded, it just brings more attention to the league, and that's what rakes the money in when you get more attention. So I think it's great for the league, to be honest. Jason, so I'll just say this. is I, I think, one, there's an element of what you said a minute ago, which is, yes, it brings more attention to the league, but it also, you know, it's, it's hard to follow teams. It's hard to do this. It's hard to do that. What I would just say, though, is, you know, he says it brings more attention to the league and that's what rakes money in. Let me say this. And it's something a lot of people have talked about on this network. Bottom line is NBA ratings are going down. And we could talk about the myriad of reasons why. But NBA ratings are tanking in a way that no other major supporters... I mean, NBA fans will tell you, and we'll get a few tweets and, and, and all that over the next few minutes. Oh, you know, well, nobody consumes more than the NBA because it's digital digital, insistence. Here's about mine. 113 million people just watched the Super Bowl. Okay. We had 50-plus million people watching conference championship games, 40-plus million people watching divisional round games. The NCAA tournament and Final Four was up last year major college football. We just had our highest rated uh, college football playoff since the first year in 2014. NBA ratings are going down, and they are a fraction in the biggest games in the finals and the conference finals of what we were getting even five, six years ago. Bottom line is, I don't think it's good for the league, and it's not only that it's my opinion, but the idea that because you're getting tweets and you're getting this and you're getting that, that it's good for the overall health of the sport There's no metric other than maybe social media engagements, which I don't think the NBA gets paid off Twitter or Instagram, so I don't really even think what he said is true. Like It's one thing if it's true and I just don't personally like trade demands. I don't think what he said is true. It's bringing more conversation to the sport, but conversation isn't leading to people actually engaging by watching the sport itself, Jason.
0: Yeah, so... Durant said teams have been trading players making acquisitions for a long time now when a player can kind of dictate where he wants to go and leave in free agency and demand to trade it's just part of the game now so I don't think it's a bad thing it's bringing more and more excitement to the game and then Kyrie says speculation and narratives is what makes this entertainment kind of seem a little bit more important or more of a priority than it actually is like it's my life. It's not just a dream that everybody can gossip about. When you work as hard as I do or anyone else in a specific profession, I feel like you should have the liberty and the freedom to go where you're wanted, where you're celebrated, and where you feel comfortable. Okay. Kyrie, your happiness, your life, does not necessarily equal out to it being better for the league in which you play.
3: Well, let me me jump in on that, too, because – he said uh, you know that you know that that players for years and kevin i think it was kevin durant that said players for years have been stuck in bad situations and now they're changing it and it's one thing if you're anthony davis and you and we've talked about the differentiation but you're anthony davis and you're drafted to the pelicans and for 10 years they just can't put a winning team around you it's quite another when kevin durant and kyrie irving choose brooklyn in free agency, and then decide one day, poof, I don't want to be here anymore. And that's the part that, that I, I, I think it's crap, right? Like, like I get the idea. Like, it's funny, right? We just talked Justin Fields. I actually feel bad for Justin Fields because he was drafted by an incompetent organization. I think the best thing that could potentially happen to Justin Fields is actually getting traded and let them start over with Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whoever, so I get the idea that it really does kind of suck that sometimes great talent is drafted by mediocre organizations and there's nothing they can do about it. But that's not what Kevin Durant just experienced. That's not what Kyrie Irving just experienced. As a matter of fact, Kyrie Irving now is going on multiple trade requests. Trade Demanded a trade out of Cleveland and demanded a trade out of Brooklyn. And so you can't sit there and say, well, you know, I mean, the, the the owners and the teams have had all this control for all these years. You had control. You picked the situation. You made it a complete disaster. So stop telling us that it's somebody – like, like this is what drives me crazy about NBA players, and I'm sorry to go on this rant, but it's like the, the, the lack of self-awareness is just so jarring. And as to why ratings are down – Why maybe Twitter consumption is up, but that the game, you know, uh, results are, I just don't think NBA players have any concept of what the real world is like. These guys have, you know, to be blunt, let's just be honest, they won the genetic lottery, they haven't lived in the real world basically since they were probably 14, 15 years old they have no concept of what it's like. They have no idea how silly it sounds to sit there and say, oh, it's so unfair. You know, we, we get we get drafted, and now we're deciding where we're going to go. You decided to go to Brooklyn. So I didn't know I was going to go on that rant and tangent, but it's like the lack of self-awareness from some of these guys drives me absolutely crazy.
0: The thing for me, is it's a little bit deeper than that in that guys like... Durant and Kyrie and James Harden and some of these guys, they just continue to seek out this perfect existence that, that isn't real. Like, Fair. no situation is going to be flawless. You go to Brooklyn, there were going to be challenges. You went to Golden State, should have been a perfect situation, but you got there and you realize, oh, wait, they love Steph here. Like, they, they like me a whole lot, but I don't know how much credit I'm going to have to, I'm actually going to get here. I might have to Eric be Enemy and go somewhere else. In order to get that credit, I might have to go somewhere else to to really achieve that level of greatness, at least in my own mind. But all these guys, like Kyrie, has been disgruntled. Where he was, he didn't want to play with LeBron. All of a sudden, that that relationship fizzled. Go to Boston. Oh, that's going to work out great. Horrible fit. He's sitting on the sidelines, sulking. Looks like the entire team's going to detonate around him. His coach ends up, you know, leaving, moving into a front office gig. Uh, through all that process. Then he goes to Brooklyn, not happy there. Then he moves on and all these other kinds of things. And I think the biggest thing, and this is what he said. He said this on Saturday. He said this uh, earlier. He said, why doesn't anyone have the ability to ask for trades? That's my question. When did it become terrible to make great business decisions for yourself and your happiness and peace of mind? Not every employer you're going to get along with. So if you have the chance to go somewhere else and you're doing it legally, I don't think there's a problem with it. You're right. You're right. Legally, there is no problem with it at all. Not every employer you're going to get along with. Kyrie, I need you to find the one that you will get along with. Because to this point in your career, I'm not sure you have. But the big issue that I have with all of this is there's a difference between it being wrong for you and it not necessarily being the best thing for your product for the league that you play in. There is a difference. It's fine. What you're doing individually, I get it, and you've got to do it for yourself. Just don't sell me that it's better for the NBA long term that we're seeing this happen so out of balance right now. And Adam Silver talked about there needs to be a balance. Guys in bad situations, you need to be able to remedy that. Organizations need to be able to get out from their own bad situations. All this stuff. But it does feel like it's completely out of whack and out of balance. And to me, that's a major concern for the NBA.
3: Well, and last thought, and then we'll toss it over to Sager, is that, you know, I think the other thing that goes without saying or or needs to be said is part of the reason why this, like, like, so first of all, you chose the situation in Boston or in Brooklyn that you demanded the trade out of. But a lot of the reason that the situation was so toxic is directly because of decisions that you made. Like, you know, if you go back, now this was complete nonsense, but let's let's just use their own words, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, if you remember when they signed, we know they just wanted to go to New York. But they they did this whole thing of, well, you know, we really respect the culture that Kenny Atkinson has created here. And then what do they do? They get Kenny Atkinson fired yes. the first year, yes, and then they they bring in Steve Nash because that's who they want, and then they realize he's not the guy, so they get rid of him, and then they they think James Harden's the answer, and then James Harden's not the answer, so they get rid of him, and then they think Ben Simmons is the answer, so they get rid of him, uh, so, so they get rid of James Harden and bring in Ben Simmons, then they realize Ben Simmons isn't the answer, and they're like, we got to get the heck out of here. So it's just a insane lack of self awareness, and again. I feel bad that in previous generations there have been great athletes that have been been stuck in less than advantageous positions. And, yes, 40, 50 years ago there was no free agency, and if you got drafted by a bad organization, you were stuck there forever. That ain't this era anymore. But, again, at some point you have to take responsibility for some of the stuff that you've created. We could continue this conversation, maybe get to some of Adam Silver's comments from NBA All-Star Weekend. But more importantly... Got to get over the news desk. Steve DeSager, what's trending, my friend?
6: Hello to you. And I just mentioned on the show with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon last night that the ratings had just come out for the NBA. Of course, there's the TNT doubleheader every Thursday night. A couple of nights ago, the NBA doubleheader on TNT averaged 1.1 million viewers. NASCAR got 1.5 million on FS1 for the dual races at the same time. The night before, ESPN with its NBA Wednesday night doubleheader again about 1.1 million viewers price is right got 4.4 million (laughs) at the same time with a primetime episode and that wasn't even the highest rated on wednesday night chicago med chicago fire 6.7 million each while the nba was at 1.1 million there hasn't been a single nba game this season outside of christmas that's gotten 4 million viewers. That's gonna to change tomorrow night because it's the All-Star game. All-Star weekend had the dunk contest, which we'll get to in the mo- in a moment, that was this evening. But for most of the last decade, NBA All-Star ratings have been about six or seven million viewers. But keep in mind, that's two channels combined, TNT and TBS, for almost a decade now have been carrying this game. But I expect to see somewhere around the six or seven million viewers for tomorrow night baseball's all-star game got seven and a half million last summer and that was a record low for that sports exhibition just to put it in perspective mac mcclung was the dunk contest winner tonight's three perfect scores out of four dunks and immediately afterward he committed to defending his title when all-star weekends at indianapolis next year as he put it if you guys will have me i'll be back and the three-point contest winner was damian lillard of portland There was an outdoor NHL game at NC State's sellout crowd 57,000 Carolina scored quickly wound up a 4-1 winner over Washington the Carolina Hurricanes have won 10 of 11. The Capitals suffered their fourth straight loss the last three have come without team captain Alex Ovechkin who's away after the passing of his father. It's college basketball, and the game is over at Pauley Pavilion. Fourth-ranked UCLA did beat Cal by a wide margin, as expected, 78-43. to The Cal Golden Bears are 3-24 and this year. On the stat sheet tonight, Cal with 14 turnovers and 11 baskets. St. Mary's and Gonzaga each one. Gentlemen, Gonzaga will host first-place St. Mary's next Saturday night to end the west coast conference season most leagues go two more weeks that league goes one more week all-american drew timmy of gonzaga tonight 34 points and he was 15 of 20 shooting in the win at pepperdine stats inc says this is the seventh time in his career that timmy has scored at least 30 while shooting 75 percent from the floor or better the most such games by any division 1 player in the last 25 years. Yeah, St. Mary's win was against BYU 71-65, BYU 16 and 14 this year. Kansas was down 16 points late in the first half and still beat Baylor. Texas in overtime defeated Oklahoma. Virginia edged Notre Dame 57-55. Kentucky beat Tennessee. Tiger Woods in L.A. shot a third round 67. He's up to a tie for 26th place. John Rom leads by three strokes. A reminder, the Daytona 500 is Sunday on Fox TV, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. The Xfinity race tonight went to Austin Hill. And you mentioned earlier in the show that the coordinators of the Philadelphia Eagles have left for head coaching jobs in the NFL, one to Arizona. The Cardinals have hired an Eagles assistant as their new defensive coordinator, linebackers coach from Philly. Nick Rollis, age 29, gets the gig, so he becomes the youngest coordinator in the entire league. Back to you.
3: Thank you to Sager. Sager, you'll be back in under 10 minutes uh, with your extended update. What do you got for us in that? Who is Mac McClung? Mm, That
0: was coming, man. (laughs) I I can't wait to see the level of detail of Mac McClung that we're going to get in the final segment. We might find
6: out something about the guy who won the dunk contest tonight.
3: Okay, well, f- we'll we find out. That's not the if-
6: only thing, but it's certainly going to lead. And, of course, we'll
3: congratulate Michigan on wh- what went on tonight.
6: Details there.
3: Fantastic. We appreciate you, and we'll be talking to you in just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, we are broadcasting live from the tire studios. We could talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, or we could talk about how with Discover you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. I mean, talk about amazing learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. Really quickly, Jason, uh, I think we touched a little bit of a nerve with that NBA conversation. Got a couple interesting tweets in. Uh, Russ V is the GOAT tweets in, These NBA players are always whining or demanding a trade. If they want to demand a trade, these dudes should pay back 95% of their already overinflated salaries with 50% interest. Well, that isn't going to happen. But what I will say is that I I do think it leads to – I think what I said a minute ago is that this is why I think the NBA is struggling in ratings because I don't think these players have any self-awareness at all from this perspective. When things aren't going well at work, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Durant both made quotes about, you know, uh, your employer isn't good, um, not every employer you're going to get along with, so if you have a chance to go somewhere else and you're doing it legally, I don't think there's a problem with it. I agree with that if you're doing it legally. The problem is in every Every other walk of life, if there is a contract, you don't just get to force your way out. And so I think Russ has something to that where they're not going to pay back their salaries. They're not going to pay inflation or whatever he said. But at the same time, I think that's part of it is that like, it's just so counterintuitive to what the average consumer, what their life is like, where we can't just – not do our jobs and show up and get paid let alone get paid tens of millions of dollars i think that is the number one thing that i just don't think these guys get jason
0: yeah i mean i think they're i think that's accurate it's not just that they're moving around and it's hard to get any kind of a Feel for a team that you could stick with and actually begin to root for if you haven't, if you don't already have one. But the other thing is, and I we, we've talked about this many times on the show, and I already said, I'm not buying tickets to an NBA game right now because I can't be so sure true. who's going to play. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's going to take it off. And then when I look at ABC a couple of weeks ago, and it's Lakers Warriors, but there's no Steph, there's no LeBron, there's no Klay Thompson, Draymond's out, like all of this stuff, it happens so often. This stuff, to, and, and look, Injuries is one thing. But this doesn't happen in other sports. It just flat out doesn't. And you talk about when things aren't going good at work and all that kind of stuff. Dude, when things are bad when it comes to entertainment, then you got to have your A list guys. Like, this is where Adam Silver behind closed doors has to find a way. Like, guys, we got to have you playing. Like, there's no league without the stars. All due respect to Mac McClung. <laughs> like we we understand, like we gotta have the A list dudes, and eventually we gotta see them on the court playing ball. We can't just talk about them on podcasts and radio shows and television shows during the week. Play basketball. That is those those two things in concert. Nobody staying put seemingly at all. Contracts not being honored for even. Before they start, there's dudes demanding trades in public, which is great for what we do, but terrible for what the NBA does. And then past that, you bring them in, and then they don't play. They miss key games, at the very least, if you're going to be on national television. That's probably not a good night for load management. Not not if I'm running a business. Like, dude, when I pay you, you need to be on the court actually doing your job, helping us. That's the value of you to us is that you're actually there for people to see, to buy tickets, to buy merchandise, all of that kind of stuff. It all works together and the NBA falters on it because I do think individually these players do have a ton of power and more power to them for for negotiating it the way that they have. But they're not using it responsibly for their league. They're, they're just worried about themselves, and it is harming the league. They're doing great, but the league itself is floundering because no one can get a sense from night to night of what the NBA is going to bring them as a product.
3: I think it's such a great point on the purchasing tickets thing is, you know, and, and the funny thing that I keep hearing is, well, you know, I mean, the, 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 there's too many games. And, well, OK, or, or if, you're, if we're cutting 10 percent of the uh, work time, are you cutting 10 percent of your salary? Of course you're not. So that's out of the equation. Well, we need too many back. T- we already extended the schedule by like two weeks to 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 give you more travel time to give you more rest there is now a week off for All Star Weekend like after this game I'm pretty sure they don't play again until Thursday or Friday of next week you get a full week off so it's just I think the NBA has real problems and I think you know I think frankly it's going to take stronger leadership than Adam Silver to get them solved. But I think they got real problems, and I think KD and and, and Kyrie's comments this week kind of just speak to how out of touch so many of these guys are. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, coming up when we come back to Sager extended update. Oh, you wanted Mac McClung details? You got them. Fox Sports Radio.
5: That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.
2: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
3: Fox Sports Radio, Eric Torres, Jason Martin broadcasting live from the tyrack.com studios. We are brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at progressive.com. As we do every time every week around this time. We toss it over to the news desk, Steve DeSager, with an extended update. What do you got for us, DeSager? First and foremost, kudos
6: to the Michigan Wolverines. And not because they got a win tonight. They beat their rival, Michigan State. That was the Fox TV game. Michigan supported its rival. There was a pregame ceremony First game for Spartans men's basketball since the shooting on their campus that killed three students and wounded five others. There was a long moment of silence. Then the Michigan band played the Spartans alma mater and the arena in Ann Arbor was lit with the green and white of its rivals' colors. So kudos to mm-hmm. how that worked out today. As for the NBA, all-star Saturday night, and you're right, the league is on all-star break until Thursday night when the schedule resumes. Mac McClung was your dunk contest champion. Here's how one of his perfectly scored dunks sounded in the Spanish-language broadcast.
1: intención.
4: McClung! McClung!
6: I believe he said McClung there. See, I know Spanish. Anyway, he wound up with four dunks, (laughs) three perfect scores. This is a guy who had spent the season with the Sixers G League affiliate Delaware just this past week, signed a two-way contract with Philly so he could be either in majors or minors, essentially, averaging the best on his team in the G League at 19 points a game, although I looked it up. Isaiah Mobley from USC for example 22 points a game and that's barely in the top 20. There's a lot of scores in the G League if you're looking for offensive numbers. But this is the guy who was G League rookie of the year a season ago actually got into A game with the Lakers. Now Mac McClung's listed at 6'2 185. That's your slam dunk champion. So it it, it is amazing that alone. But then when you throw how great each of the dunks was, near perfect if you total up the four scores, it was an impressive night. But he got in one game with the Lakers and two baskets last year and one game with the Bulls. And one basket last year. So that's the extent of his major league experience. We'll see if he gets any minutes with the Sixers. This is a guy that was all Big 12 first team with Texas Tech a couple of years ago. Now, I looked up his college stats, and he had three seasons, two with Georgetown and then the one with Texas Tech. But... Even the 50 games he played with Georgetown, he was under 40% shooting. And then with Texas Tech, even with all the points, 42% shooting. You mentioned known for dunks for even long before the college days. It reminded me a bit tonight of when Harold Miner won the dunk contest and he was even there tonight. They showed him and one of the commentators said, hey, baby Jordan. By the way, the worst nickname in the history of
3: (laughs) basketball. Well, Bryce Young's a baby Patrick Mahomes. We learned that today. Yeah, well,
6: that's not going on his actual page years from now when his resume is shown. He was known at USC as baby Jordan and yeah, he had great hops and yes, he was 26 points a game by the time his last season at USC came around but he was not even with all the dunks he was not a shooter he was under 44% shooting his last year at, at SC but wound up a dunk champion and that's essentially the highlight of his pro career we'll see if this is the highlight for Mr. Mac McClung who has as I say been known for this for a while and a guy who is it turns out or was the all-time leading scorer in Virginia high school league history when he surpassed Allen Iverson's mark, and then went to Georgetown. But at 6-2, he winds up the dunk champ. I mentioned we had an outdoor NHL game at NC State with a sellout crowd and Carolina winning. We had an outdoor college hockey game at the Cleveland Browns Stadium that was on Big Ten Network. Top ten matchup with Ohio State and Michigan. They put the ice on top of the football field in Cleveland. And yes, they did script Ohio on top of the ice more than 45,000 fans on hand they called it the face off on the lake 10th ranked ohio state beat number 4 michigan 4 to 2 and apparently this temporary rink they set up is also going to be used for upcoming minor league and high school playoff games i did not remember that a decade ago or so Ohio State-Michigan played hockey at the Cleveland Guardians, as they're known now. Ballpark a few miles away, and Michigan won that game. We had two blowouts in college basketball. Alabama today, UCLA tonight. UCLA ranked fourth in the country, was about a 25-point favorite against Cal, and wound up winning the game by 35. 78-43 the finals, so Cal at 3-24, they started the season 0 and 12 this year and that was with losses to UC San Diego, UC Davis, lost to Texas State, Eastern Washington, etc. They did have early in the conference season back-to-back league wins against Colorado and Stanford. Those are their only conference wins. Aside from those two games, they're 0-4 in the Pac-12 conference. And number one, Alabama was hosting Georgia today. Bama led 50-19 to late in the first half. Wound up shooting 62% from the floor in the game. Beat Georgia 108-59. So Alabama's 13-1 in the SEC. Alabama had just lost at Tennessee on Wednesday. Bama will end the regular season in two weeks with a game at second place, Texas A&M. LSU, meanwhile, 1-13 in the SEC after losing at home to South Carolina. Ole Miss 2-12 after an overtime loss to Mississippi State. Green Bay Division one college hoops is three and 26 it lost to Youngstown State Long Island youth three and 24 this season lost to St Francis Pennsylvania Evansville one and 17 in the Missouri Valley after losing to Murray State but mm. Louisville which was three and 23 yeah. got a win tonight beat Clemson
3: 83-73. I was hoping you were going to get there to sager Congrats to Louisville go
6: Cardinals yeah. win
3: number four That's win number insane. four That's
0: yes still insane.
3: Unbelievable! Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. One hour left. When we come back, Jason, I want your reaction to the Super Bowl.
0: Hey, we're going to talk about it finally. Yeah,
3: right. KC. Did they get? Did the refs? Did the refs win the Super Bowl for KC? Hot sports takes next. Fox Sports Radio.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
3: Welcome in, everybody. Hour 4 Fox Sports Radio. We are taking you to the top of next hour, 2 p.m. two a.m. Eastern Time, excuse me, 11 Pacific. Bernie Fratto, the Bernie Fratto Show, will be following us so make sure to stay tuned for that. And we are, of course, broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. I'll tell you, you know, we've covered quite a bit of ground here throughout the show. If you missed anything, make sure to go back and download the podcast. We talked about the dunk contest. Mac McClung wins that. Kind of a fun, uh, fun dunk contest for the first time in a long time. We talked about some Eric Biennemi stuff, Aaron Rodgers, all the big news and notes from the NFL, the fact that the Eagles are going to look fundamentally different the next time they take the field uh, than they do right now, uh, or they did on Sunday, because of course they've lost both coordinators, a bunch of free agents, So we'll just, so if you missed anything, make sure to go back and download the podcast. But speaking of the Super Bowl, Jason... You know, we haven't actually talked about the Super Bowl. And, you know, obviously the game ended six days ago, and and people on this network have spent nothing but time uh, talking about the the game itself. But, listen, I'd be remiss if, if we didn't at least talk a little bit about what happened on the field. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but I haven't had anywhere else to talk about the big games. So, uh, I guess let's just, you know, let's kind of start with the ending. I mean, there was obviously the big holding call or pass interference or whatever it was on James Bradbury. Do you believe, I know you've been waiting a week to get out this hot take, Jason, do you believe the refs coughs, the Eagles, the Super Bowl? Go ahead, Jason. The floor is yours.
0: I think they cost them a chance. I mean, did they cost them a chance? I mean, the Eagles cost themselves a chance because Bradbury committed something that was close enough to a penalty to be called in that moment. And he said it was a holding. I was hoping they'd let it slide. And he had actually done it to Juju earlier in the game on a play that was – and that call was much more egregious uh, than the one that was called at the end of the game. Problem was because of – the time left, the timeouts, the circumstances, where the ball was at the time the penalty happened, all of those things, it effectively ended the game. Like, yeah, the field goal could have been missed, but the Chiefs were about to kick a field goal either way. The difference was you would have given Jalen Hurts the football back with about a, a minute and a half left. Now, in the second half, the Eagles had not been the same team offensively. There were good adjustments made by Spagnolo's defense. Uh, yards were tougher to get. For the Eagles, but you would have liked to have seen it decided by the guys on the field in that final minute as opposed to it just kind of deflated. Like, I didn't like the call. I didn't think there was enough there because I just feel like there are, there are the thing that this is the argument that I didn't like was if this call doesn't get made, then everybody is upset on the other side. I don't think that's the case because I don't think that if we had watched that, we would have immediately been like, wow, how do you not call that? I don't think that would have happened. I really don't, and I did not see Juju Smith-Schuster act like something should have been called in that moment. Now, Mahomes pointed it out, and Juju had already talked to the official earlier in the game for what happened, and because by the letter of the law, yeah, okay, you could see a minor tug maybe. I didn't think the ball was necessarily catchable either way. But more than anything else, I just don't think we would have been like, wow, what a – oh, my goodness, this was not Rams-Saints or something like that. I feel like the reason this was talked about was because it was a – it was pretty much the deciding factor at the end. Now, and this – I'll lead it back to you. The defense of the Philadelphia Eagles in the second half and Jonathan Gannon's guys flat out not being able to match – Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and the and the way that they chose to run the ball and the way that they got two absolute joke touchdowns on perfectly designed plays where they just just left the Eagles looking just inept looking completely outcoached. You can't fault that you have a 10 point lead at the half. You should win that football game. You lose that game. It's not just on one play. I just hate that that's what it came down to because it felt like such a call that if it had not been made, no one would have said, wow, the Chiefs got hosed.
3: Well, that's among many reasons why I don't think you can blame the refs for the loss. I mean, first of all, I've said this all week. I, I you know, I was texting you, Bo, after the game on uh, on Monday and it was funny because AJ Brown said the same thing. He he later on said the same thing. Is I thought the game was lost actually, late in the third quarter. Uh, you come out of the half. You're up by you know whatever it was. I guess you were up by ten. KC scores a field. Go- KC scores a touchdown right out of the half. You then spend seven plus minutes on a length of the field drive. To kick a field goal to go up six, and I'm not saying you had to go for it on fourth down there, all that stuff, but but you know, I, I the the whole philosophy of the game was keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands uh, and if you're going to do that then you got to cash in on third down and fourth down and you got to keep the ball out of his hands and you got to make sure to take advantage of, of the situations you're in so I, I said after the game I said if your whole game plan is to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands you do that for half more, literally more than half of the third quarter and it results in a field goal that puts you up six uh, I don't know that I came out of that confident and it was interesting because A.J. Brown said uh, after the game he said on Monday at media Availability. that was where he thought it was lost. But whether it's that or whether it's exactly what you just said, when you have a second half where you don't get a single stop on defense, you don't force a single drive where they don't get points, you have in the first half a fumble recovery. And by the way, I'm not blaming Jalen Hurts. He was incredible. But you have a fumble recovery return for a touchdown. You don't make a single stop in the second half I understand where uh, where where Philly fans are frustrated, but you can't tell me the refs lost you the game. And oh, by the way, and I think this is obviously the important part as well that I think everybody knows, but obviously even if that play isn't called, KC still lines up to kick a field goal. If they kick a field goal, they're still ahead and you still got to go the length of the field to at least get in field goal range. So if, if the call isn't made, Kansas City is still very much in field goal range to go ahead and and you would have to drive the length of the field to, at the very least, tie it up. So I, I just, it, it was, it was a great game. I wish the call hadn't been made. I wish KC had been forced to kick the field goal. I wish that Philly had the ball one more time to see if they could have done something uh, with the ball. With that said, that is not why they lost the game, though. Two things can be true. I wish the call hadn't been made. I don't think it was necessarily a bad call. I wish the call hadn't been made, but that is not what ultimately cost them the game.
0: I don't think it was a no doubt you have to call this. I think that I think it's more that. Was it a bad call? Like should it have been called at all? Like if that had happened in a regular game, is that something you could justify as being something to call? Sure. I don't think that you had to, and I don't think people would have been up in arms if you didn't. But Defense not been able to get a stop. Mahomes basically played perfect football in the second half on one leg. Remember, this is a dude that's hobbling and you're up 10 at the half. This is a guy that has one incompletion and it's a throwaway in the second half. I think he was 13 of 14 in the second half. The two touchdowns were like five and seven yards. Both those guys were open by 10 yards in the end zone. And, oh, yeah, Kadarius Toney's punt return. That nearly put the ball into the end zone your defense and your special teams put you in a spot where the referees could remove an opportunity for you to win the football game if that makes any sense i know that sounds like it's wordy but you put yourself in a position where the refs could dictate your future and you didn't have to do that. The refs didn't help you in that spot, no question about it. Sometimes that's going to happen. But when you're up 10, and you have – the, it felt like they had all the momentum in the world as that game's going into halftime. And you come out – and one team looked like they made adjustments and were ready to go in the second half, and the other one looked like a deer in headlights, and then you start seeing cracks in the armor and mistakes being made, all of a sudden, opportunities lost. And if you give that quarterback and that head coach enough opportunities, they will beat you. And that's what the Kansas City Chiefs ended up doing to the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday.
3: I know it's a little bit probably overreactionary. Would you be concerned at all if you're a Cardinals fan and you just hire the defensive coordinator that could not get a defensive stop, or even the offensive coordinator whose offense largely stagnated in the second half if you're a Colts fan. would you Is is one game on a national stage enough for you to worry if you're a fan of either of those teams, or is it just exactly what that is, a one-game, one-off deal, uh, and we shouldn't make any more big of a deal than, uh, about that one game than any other game?
0: I would say I feel better if I'm a Colts fan than a Cardinals fan. One, I think my organization might be in a little bit better shape. They're both not in great shape, but the Kyler problem is a problem. Gannon's defense got exposed, and the problem was that Brandon Iyuk of the 49ers told you, after the NFC Championship game, what was going to happen in the Super Bowl, and it's exactly what ended up happening. Like The Eagles could have shut Brandon Iyuk up, but what, but what Brandon Iyuk went and said was, We were about to expose them before Brock Purdy went down. Basically, he was saying, we knew what they were going to do. We were going to show that and go up and down the field on that defense. And that's basically what the Chiefs did in the second half. Gannon's a guy that for much of his career has been a quality control coach. He's now head coach of an organization that is fraying at the seams. Steichen... I like his chances because that, that offense was prolific, to say the least. And I feel like he had a large part to do with that. And if he's able to go in there, and they do, and, and Ursay or, or Ballard and those guys are able to get that first pick, or they're able to get an early pick and get the quarterback of the future and stop this rotating carousel of veteran guys at the end of their careers and whether or not we can make it work with Carson Wentz and all this, if they can get their dude for the future, they have a forward-thinking, smart, well-respected offensive mind as head coach. Sounds a lot like we've seen succeed in this league in recent years dudes that have that kind of resume that understand offense and that are doing new things using new wrinkles maximizing quarterbacks unique skill sets all of this stuff I like that hire for Indianapolis. Gannon, I'm just not sure. I'm really not because it did seem like what I foreshadowed is exactly what the Chiefs and Andy Reid exploited in the Super Bowl.
3: Well, we just talked about Jonathan Gannon, the uh, former defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, now with the Arizona Cardinals as a head coach. Boy, oh boy, did he have something very interesting to say at his opening press conference. We discuss that next, Fox Sports Radio.
4: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
3: Everybody, Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. Bernie Frado usually joins us at this time, but Bernie is unavailable this evening. You can still hear him at the top of the hour. The Bernie Frado Show follows us. And we could talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, or we could talk about how with Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. I mean, talk about amazing. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem awards. Terms apply. So before the break, Jason, we were talking a little bit about the Eagles uh, falling just a bit short in the Super Bowl. KC obviously wins. A lot of stuff goes wrong. Some of it, you know, just natural football stuff, but obviously there was the, uh, you know, the fumble return for for the touchdown for KC and the fact that Philadelphia essentially couldn't get KC off the field. Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator, has since left to be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Why do I bring it up? Well, it's because he had an opening press conference the other day and had something very interesting, if you listen closely, to say about his new quarterback.
4: Everything that we do will be structured around the quarterback position to maximize his skill set, and we have an elite one. Uh, We're going to maximize Kyler's skill set. We're going to be adaptable. We're going to generate explosives. We're going to protect the football and be situationally smart.
3: That was uh, Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, he slipped something in that sounded a little interesting. I mean, I, I, I know he has to say it, but he said that he believes Kyler Murray is elite. What did you make of that opening press conference where uh, Jonathan Gannon throwing rose petals at the feet of Kyler Murray, who it is worth mentioning, by the way, is obviously coming off major surgery. We don't even know if he's going to be ready for week one next year, Jason.
0: I make of it, what choice did he have? Um,
3: I mean, he didn't have to use the word elite. He could have just said, we're building everything around our, our star quarterback or our franchise quarterback or whatever.
0: Well, I mean, if you look at what his skill can do, you can get there. And it's a word that I think sometimes is just used too often. Like sometimes people will say the word great and they'll say it way too often. Everybody has verbal crutches. There's words that they say far more than they need to for me career-wise through my radio career i've I've used the word obviously way too much and i'll catch myself now and and try to find another way around it so i don't know what it means in terms of jonathan gannon and whether or not he believes it to be elite but you do want to act like you just won the lottery which i mean you kind of did you got a job that very few people can get you're an nfl head coach and it happened right after you were one of the large reasons and your unit was one of the large reasons that your team is not carrying the Lombardi trophy and that other team that you played is. So he ends up with that gig. He goes in and he says the right thing, but you better make sure Kyler Murray's happy, right? Like we we have learned this. The Cardinals have a Kyler Murray problem. We knew that when they were asking him to, you know, do the crazy homework stuff and the camera stuff and limiting his call of duty time and, all of these other kinds of things. Jonathan Gannon is just saying what what a coach comes in and says. He's fired up about the guys he's got. He's excited about that roster, all of those kinds of things. I don't think it means anything more than that at all. It's just I I, I could see me in that situation doing the exact same thing. He's not going to ruffle feathers. Gannon's never had a role like this before. So the question I have is how much authority is he going to have in that room? Because he would better have some level of clout to try and make sure that Kyler is on board. Or he better hire some world-class coordinators to make sure. Because Kyler can definitely be the type that's aloof, that's sitting and not paying attention to you whatsoever. And Gannon may not be used to that with a bunch of guys that seem pretty dialed in in Philadelphia. Uh, From every indicator that we have ever gotten about Kyler Murray as an Arizona Cardinal, that's not how he rolls. So you better earn his respect – and right now, it just looks like Gannon is going along to get along, and eventually you've got to get to the spot where, all right, we got to go win some football games, let's get to work.
3: Well, and that's that's why it's interesting to me. Is yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I think there's a lot of people making something out of nothing in terms of uh, Gannon using the word elite. I just think it's going to be a fascinating relationship to follow. I mean, you know, Kyler couldn't get along with what was essentially – Kyler Murray far from it was far from a handpicked decision for Kyler Murray to take Cliff Kingsbury but we all remember Cliff Kingsbury recruited Kyler Murray uh, Cliff Kingsbury said something to the effect when he was a Texas Tech Kyler Murray should be the number one pick in the NFL draft long before it was thought that Kyler Murray was ever going to play in the NFL, let alone be the number one pick. Uh, offensive guy young guy and I guess that's my question. And this isn't even a Kyler Murray-like criticism. It's just, but if he couldn't get along with that guy, why do we think he's going to get along with a defensive guy, first-time head coach? Um, You know, you look at Jonathan Gannon's resume. I mean, listen, you know, three years ago, not three, but about five years ago, he was an assistant defensive backs coach with the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, this isn't... um, you know, Bill Parcells or somebody of that. like like, it's not the type of personality that immediately says, like, if you don't fall in line, there's going to be trouble. Like, as an example, Sean, Sean Payton. Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, you know, Jonathan Gannon ain't walking in and saying, uh, yeah, that's not the way we're doing things around here. Like when Sean Payton was asked about Russell Wilson's quarterback's coach. So, so excited about that, by the way. I just, go I,
0: I like that Sean, Payton, Sean Payton's walking in and we know Sean Payton is one of the guys. I just mentioned you have to have class. Wow, right that's why sean Payton's so important in denver because you had to have somebody russell wilson respected and would listen to same thing's true here with kyler murray to a different degree we were told right and i'm pretty sure this is accurate i need to source it for sure but i'm pretty sure it's accurate the Cardinals said that kyler murray was going to be intimately involved with the head coaching search like he was going to have to approve all of this i don't know that i buy <laughs> That Kyler Murray was like, yeah, Jonathan Gannon, that's exactly who I – really? Like, do you buy that, Aaron? Because if, if he was supposed to be, like, super involved in the process and they ended up with Jonathan Gannon, who I am pretty sure they did not interview until Monday and then gave him the job before Monday was over. I can't imagine Kyler Murray had enough familiarity with the defensive coordinator from the Philadelphia Eagles after the season that Kyler Murray had and getting injured and losing all of the stuff that went down. Do you really think that he green lighted the Jonathan Gannon hire in Arizona? Because I am, let's just call me skeptical.
3: You know what happened? Uh, unfortunately, Sunday night, the internet went out at his house, so he couldn't play <laughs> Call of Duty. And then he flipped on the Super Bowl and said, You know that guy that just gave up 35 unanswered points or whatever it was in the second half? That's the guy that I want as my head coach. No. So I, I will say, I, I you know. How much role or any role that he had, I don't know. I think what we can all acknowledge, though, was that this wasn't a very coveted job. Like the fact, mm-hmm. like like the Shane Steichen thing, and and I don't know all the details. I'm not Ian Rappaport. I'm not Adam Schefter. I don't know all the details, but it seemed as though the Colts were waiting to to uh, you know uh, to to hire this guy, and if he didn't come, I don't know what would happen with Jeff Saturday. Whatever. Why I bring it up, that seemed a little bit more orchestrated. Whereas this just felt like they went after a bunch of guys and a bunch of guys were like, nah, I don't really want that. Like We know they went after Sean Payton. I believe D'Amico Ryan's either turned down an interview or wouldn't come back for another one. Brian Flores, by the way, we found out, had the opportunity to interview for this job and politely declined. So I, I don't know what the truth is. What I do know is that it feels as though there wasn't a line of people around the block that were eager to coach this team, Jason.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's falling apart. The ownership has, has always been bad, right? Like, we, Cardinals, that's always been a problem. Their front office has always been a problem. You've got new GM, you've got a, a quarterback that I just think the reputation is not particularly good. I, I'm. You know, talking to people inside the league over the last few years internally, it's just a lot of negatives about Kyler Murray and his dedication and how much he really cares about the organization and last one to show up in the morning, first one out in the afternoon and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know, because I haven't been at a Cardinals practice to see it. If that's 100% accurate, 90% accurate, or whatever. But if you're walking into drama, it better be Aaron Rodgers. If you're walking into drama, it better be somebody that's worth the headache. And Kyler Murray, in terms of what we've seen him do at the tail end of regular seasons, what we've seen him do in postseasons, and just the antics and the stuff that's gone on, it seems like right now the potential pitfalls outweigh the expected benefits. The return on investment is not there i'm not walking into a quarterback that you just committed an insane amount of money to basically signaling he's going to be the guy here we're committing to him they had all that contract dispute and everything else and everything else that happened in in last offseason if i'm a first-time head coach or somebody that knows what i'm doing i don't want to walk into a spot that looks like it's ready-made for failure and i'm walking into the same division with kyle shanahan and the san francisco 49ers I'm walking into a Rams organization where McVay is still there right now and a Seahawks team that was better than anybody thought they had any right to be and seemed to have a pretty good culture last year. That is not in any way the situation that I would want unless I'm somebody with a ton of clout that's already won a bunch – That can sustain this. And that's why maybe you end up with a Jonathan Gannon that might not not have been a candidate that, that really should have been on your radar. You might have been reduced to take a Jonathan Gannon type guy because of the circumstances of the occupation and the job.
3: Very interesting scenario going on with the Arizona Cardinals, and you just mentioned their division rival, the Los Angeles Rams. Some very interesting things coming out of Rams camp uh, late the other night. We'll discuss that next. Before we do, though, final time this evening. Let's get it over to the news desk, Steve Desager. What's trending at this hour?
6: Well, not the last time we will mention the name Mac McClung, ladies and gentlemen, your NBA slam dunk champion, 76ers. It's quite a story. A guy who didn't have an NBA job. Wake up, screaming
3: Mac McClung in the middle of the night. Your wife's gonna be like, "What is going on?" I'm just saying that it's
6: on our airwaves. This is not the last (laughs) time that this name is going to be mentioned as we go overnight. Three perfect scores out of four dunks. The three-point contest went to Damian Lillard, who beat two Indiana Pacers in the final. Jazz won the skills challenge in Utah. Notable that Giannis Antetokounmpo did not participate in that event. He had a wrist injury in his final game before the break. He is a team captain for tomorrow night's all-star game and will at minimum at least conduct his player draft an hour before the exhibition Sunday night. The finalists for the Basketball Hall of Fame in case you didn't hear yesterday do include first-time eligibles Dirk Nowitzki, Dwayne Wade and Pau Gasol. Also on the finalist list, Greg Popovich and Tony Parker, Coach Gene Cady, also Becky Hammond and Jennifer Aze. The Class of 2023 will be announced at Final Four weekend, April 1st. To get into the basketball hall, a person needs at least 18 out of 24 votes from the Honors Committee in Shryment this summer in Springfield, Massachusetts. Kevin Love completed a contract buyout with Cleveland. He could reportedly go to Miami after he clears waivers. The Cavaliers said they will retire Love's jersey one day. He's making over $30 million this season, averaging 8.5 .7 rebounds per game. In L.A., Tiger Woods shot a third round 67. This is a guy who had a 74 the day before. Barely made the cut to even play this weekend. He's up to a tie for 26th place. John Rahm leads by three strokes. 13 NHL games, including victories for New Jersey and Boston. And outdoors at NC State, sellout crowd. Carolina beat Washington 4-1. to The L.A. Kings blew a lead but still won 6-5 over Arizona in a shootout. Late night victories for Seattle and Buffalo. The Daytona 500 is Sunday on Fox TV, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, NASCAR's official season opener. The Xfinity race went to Austin Hill. U.S. women's soccer plays against Sunday against Japan in Nashville. The Americans beat Canada 2-0 Thursday night in Orlando in the opener of their mini-tournament. Pitchers and catchers reported to MLB Spring Training this past week. Full squads start reporting on Monday. And USA Baseball starts workouts in Arizona March 7th for the World Baseball Classic, a tournament that will be televised by... Fox next month. Dominant wins in college hoops for number one Alabama and number four UCLA which beat Cal 78 43 tonight. Cal shooting from the floor 11 of 50. UCLA has won 23 straight at home. By the way, even Eastern Washington won at Cal in December. <laughs> Eastern Washington now 15-0 and in the Big Sky after a win today. Colgate 15-1 and in the Patriot League after a win and Oral Roberts 16-0 in the Summit League after a victory. We mentioned last hour Louisville was 3-23 but did defeat Clemson. Big 10 wins for Rutgers and Penn State. That Penn State win was over Minnesota which is 1-13 in conference and kudos to Michigan. Not for their win against Michigan State but how they honored the Spartans in their first game back after the Camp tragedy recently. Kansas State over Iowa State today. Kentucky beat Tennessee again. Number 7, Virginia, edged Notre Dame 57-55. Notre Dame 2-14 in conference. Virginia still leads the ACC by a half game over Miami, which won today. In the Big 12 conference, so strong. Texas Longhorns still tied for first with Kansas. Texas needed overtime to edge Oklahoma. Kansas was down 16 late first half and still beat Baylor 87-71. to Gonzaga and... And St. Mary's got wins. Next Saturday night, Gonzaga will host first place St. Mary's to end the West Coast Conference regular season. Indiana edged Illinois 71-68. Next Saturday night on Fox TV, Indiana plays at number three ranked Purdue. Creighton and Yukon with wins. Also Xavier and Providence with wins. You know, Connecticut's going to be hosting Providence on FS1 sure.
3: Wednesday night. Back to you. Thank you very much, Steve DeSager. Have a great evening, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll be back with you next week. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. Uh, Jason so I mentioned, you know, some some news out of the world of the Rams and obviously uh, it was a disappointing year for the Rams. I mean, I think you could legitimately argue like one of the worst Super Bowl defenses that we have ever seen. Um but why I bring it up is that there was some interesting conversation because Kevin Demov, the COO, was asked about the future of Jalen Ramsey as a Ram. And basically, it was kind of a, a soft, you know, softball question that he could have gone in a lot of different directions on. But this is what he said: He said, "I think for all of our players, it's going to be about figuring out what's best moving forward." But could not be more grateful for Jalen for what he's done for the Rams, leading this defense. Done is past tense. Jalen Ramsey then responded later in the night. It was uh, the night of, I, I want to say, uh, maybe Wednesday night into Thursday. Uh, there was a, a report from uh, Bleacher Report that Jalen Ramsey could get cut. Jalen Ramsey said, 100% chance I won't get cut. God bless, though. The point being is that it appears as though this relationship is coming to an end But I think what it says to me, Jason, it's not really a Jalen Ramsey thing or where's he going to go. I I, I think the grand experiment with the Rams, it led to a Super Bowl. You traded all your picks away. You traded all your future away for kind of the moment, the now. Well, we saw what happened when things go sideways this year. Cooper Cup gets hurt. Matthew Stafford gets hurt. Aaron Donald uh, is hinting at retirement, and uh, I think... Trading Jalen Ramsey for some draft capitals. Probably the the, the first and best way to realistically start a rebuild of this organization. I just think they need bodies at this point. Jason, what do you think of this news?
0: I mean, that's that's substantial. I mean, when you think about Jalen Ramsey, you just look at... You're getting into those... There's going to be so many potential suitors for him. But, again, they went so far all in on the now... Which Look, I support it because, again, I am totally against the idea of a championship window. They cashed that thing in, and they came close to not cashing it in. And we've discussed several times over the past year, what would what would this have looked like and been perceived like if the Bengals had won that Super Bowl? Because I don't think the Rams would have looked the same this year, and I, I don't think that it would have necessarily been any better. They put themselves in such a constraint that they had to win then, so... It's just big, and it's going to continue to happen, and you knew it would. Like Eventually, the bill does come due. Eventually, you do have to start looking to the future. You do have to start balancing the checkbook here and there to make sure the lights stay on. All those things eventually do come to roost. The difference for the Rams is that we can have all these conversations and we can talk about all the things that have gone down, but they have the chip. They won the Super Bowl, so they still got the better of this deal, however you want to look at it, because there's so many other teams that would wager just as much, if not more, if it guaranteed them a Lombardi. And we can look back in hindsight and say the Rams got a championship out of this, even if it does mean they're going to have to dismantle this thing relatively soon.
3: I think dismantles is the right word, and I think, th- like I said, I think this is the first move. I mean, there are some things you're locked into. You're not trading Matthew Stafford. Uh, Aaron Donald, I mean, obviously it goes without saying. He'll retire before he goes somewhere he doesn't want to. Uh, Cooper Cup, you're probably pretty locked in on, and I don't know what the point of having Matthew Stafford is if you're not going to have Cooper Cup alongside him. So Jalen Ramsey feels like the piece. He's he's actually still relatively young, um, you know, kind of late twenties for Jalen Ramsey. He uh, as w- as we speak here this evening, uh, he's twenty eight years old. He won't be twenty nine until late in the season next year. So you know, I, I, I'm not smart enough to know what you can potentially get for him in terms of draft capital or players. But again, I think you, you probably have to start rebuilding this thing. Probably have to start getting some draft picks after you've traded them all away. Uh, and it appears as though, it feels as though Jalen Ramsey has played his last game as a Ram. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Coming up, we wrap the show uh, with some interesting news from the world of golf. We'll explain next. Fox Sports Radio. The big cat for the big bird. at.
4: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
1: One, Tiger Woods three feet straight to the bottom it goes for Tiger Woods. Cashes in with the eagle at one. Circle it twice on the card. Tiger, four under on today's round
6: and three under par.
3: That was... The Progressive Play of the Day, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Also, that call credit of SiriusXM Radio. Tiger Woods playing at the Genesis Invitational this week. Uh, And apparently shot 67 today, Jason. But that's not really the story out of this tournament. Did you see what Tiger Woods did the other day with Justin Thomas? Of course. Okay. I mean, I watched.
0: I watched some today because oh, Tiger. That's right. I, Tiger's you know my favorite athlete of all time, and so it was. It was definitely another thing that you could move on and watch, and him shooting a sixty-seven and being four under, and uh, just finding a shot that works for him right now, and using that and. Solid green play. I mean, when he got on the greens and he talked about how they were, you know, they were hard, they were solid, and that really benefited where he finds himself right now. That was really solid. But of course, that's not really. He still managed to do. Yeah, exactly right. That's fine. He almost had an albatross, and we're about to talk about something else.
3: Yeah, so real, real, real quick, because we don't have very much time, but um, a couple days ago, playing Justin Thomas, uh, and it was clear, you know, something happened. And Tiger Woods was trying to get into Justin Thomas's head, and he was seen handing off something to Justin Thomas. Turns out it was a tampon. I think the insinuation being that um, you know he's he's feminine or soft or he needs it because he's not as tough as Tiger Woods. The world was outraged. Jason. Well, here's the thing: I don't really know if any. I, I saw Christine Brennan. Uh, write a well, column. She,
0: she's never missed an opportunity.
3: To, to be outraged. And then here's the crazy part about it. She was then outraged because she didn't feel like the apology was sincere enough, which by the way, I will tell you of all of my least favorite developments of 20, of the 2020s and the, 20, you know, the 21st century, demanding apologies and then trying to deem which ones are sincere and which ones aren't is actually my most, uh, that's my biggest pet peeve, the most annoying thing. But I guess what I'm trying to ask, you know, you have a daughter, uh, you have a wife. I mean, I have a wife. Uh, I have a sister. I have a mother. I I love them all deeply. I did not find anything that Tiger Woods did the least bit offensive. Uh, I think it was kind of gamesmanship. I think it was a little bit funny. Were you at all in any way, shape, or form offended?
0: No. And if you are offended, I just look at it and I'm just like, what aren't you offended by? Like...
3: What is the insinuation about fun. being def- – like, what, what would you be offended about? I, that's the – like, I, that was the part that I was a little trying to confi- – like, I, I'm not trying to be insensitive to females or female issues. I, I don't understand why it would be offensive. Like, I th- that's the part that I don't get.
0: It's the same thing. Uh, it, it's the same argument made when you say, you know, don't cry like a girl, you know, all of that kind of thing. You hit like a girl, that kind of thing. That's it's been out there for a long, long time. It's we all grew up hearing it and saying it. And there it was just a bit of a different time. But I think the biggest part here is Justin Thomas is laughing because they're good friends. Like him and Tiger are close. Was Justin Thomas ticked off? No, not at all. But keyboard warriors and folks with you know blue check marks next to their name that write for large publications are just overclamped and incredibly upset over this because of how disrespectful it is, you just made it disrespectful by turning it into a thing. Like, it would have just been a funny joke. We can move on for two. This is why comedy is dead in so many different places because you can't do anything. You can't say anything for fear of this kind of thing. And so then he apologizes, and that's not good enough either, which just makes me wish he hadn't apologized at all because you can never bend the knee enough for somebody that is looking to be outraged and there are folks in this industry that have done that in their entire career christine brennan is a professional outrage artist and she also writes about sports every once in a while
3: well a couple things one i agree with you i don't i, I just think people need to stop apologizing for things that they're not actually apologetic for and oh by the way um it was a joke maybe it landed with you maybe it didn't um, but I had no fundamental issue with it but here's the thing I'm actually reading Christine's Brennan Brennan's article right now and again I, I everyone's entitled to an opinion I can disagree with it she doesn't really explain why she's outraged like so and, and, and I'm using her as a metaphor for everyone but this is the lead to her column I wonder does Tiger Woods Tiger Woods own tampons. does he have a supplier? da da da. But she goes, while this is far from the biggest issue in sports these days, it does play right into a decades old narrative that the leaders of golf are desperately trying to change, clearly with limited success, that the game of golf is for men and men alone, including those grown men who apparently still act like teenagers. What That doesn't even make sense. Like, we have this great thing called the LPGA Tour that I would venture to guess pays female athletes more than probably any other sports entity on Earth, except maybe the WTA. Um, I just, I I don't know. I I don't get it, and I I think this is one, it's probably a very, very vocal minority that actually is offended. I'm finding, like, there are things that happen that people get offended by that I think are dumb. I'm I'm just legitimately having trouble figuring out what you could be offended by. I just, I, I don't, I mean. I just, you don't have, I have
0: to have anything anymore.
3: That's, true. that's the whole point.
0: You don't have to prove that. If they say, if somebody tells you they're offended, it's all of a sudden on you to prove that you were not trying to be offensive or, or try to prostrate yourself enough to get out of it. Like, she can't articulate it particularly well. And, and her point is not cogent, mainly because she didn't have one to begin with. It ticked her off because it gave her an and it gave her an opportunity to do the kind of thing that she has been known for. Uh, she's been a good writer at times, and she's had thoughtful commentary at times. She's also traded in this, which I would I would call this is garbage. This is just trash. Like you should be better than this. You might not have liked that joke. It might not have landed with you. You might have thought it was in bad taste. So what? Like a lot of jokes are in bad taste. Do we really think that Tiger Woods? was trying to say some larger thing? No. And is it a good old boys club here and there, and does it have a little bit of a frat mentality on a PGA Tour? Yeah, I'm sure it does, just like it does in the NFL, just like it does, by the way, I imagine, in the WNBA.
3: LPGA, yeah.
0: Or the, or the NWSL, or any of those kinds of things. This is just a territory with sports. And so often it seems like the journalists are trying to get their bona fides in a, in, a, in, a, in a landscape where it doesn't make any sense. This is just irritating because it's unnecessary. Like, we don't need to be talking about this, but we are because of things like this.
3: I'll say really quick Sharon chimes in. I thought what Tiger did was outstanding. Apparently, not everybody was offended by this. But that's it. We got to get out of here, though. I want to thank you, Jason Martin. want to thank the crew, producer Brandon, Chris Perfett on the boards, Steve DeSager, as always, keeping us updated. Coming up next, the Bernie Fratto show. Bernie's coming it up. Fox Sports Radio.